Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, gang? This is Michael Rowe. I play Deadshot on Arrow, and you're listening to Next Level Radio. Issue 22 of DC Primetime is on podcast stands now. From the Caffeine Crew, I am Rob Martin, and joining me as always... Uh, from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And sitting next to me, not on Skype, um, <laughs> <laughs> is Ben and I's good friend, Rich Lee. Um, Rich is from the Flatter. That's right, Philly Improv Theater's first ever sketch comedy team, uh, fresh off our latest show. And uh, really, Rob, I just wanted to be here to cuddle. So we haven't cuddled in a while. I figured let's cuddle in podcast. It makes it such warmer. It's a yes, family environment. Yes. Me and Rich used to do sketch comedy way back in the day. And I, I had to introduce him just for the sheer fact that me and him stood in church with no pants on before. Very true. Very yeah, true. So. I think that's a story for a completely other podcast, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't know if our folks, if our listeners are ready for that one. <laughs> or they're very curious now. Yes, yes. Probably a little bit of both. I'm not going to lie. It was I'm sketch, sketch related, but we did fill it in a church. And I still kind of feel a little weird some days when, I, right. when I go back and think about those memories. <laughs> well, it was Methodist. It was Catholic light. So it's half the guilt. We're okay. <laughs> that's all right. I'm still stuck on the whole. Uh, this happened off the air, obviously, before we started recording. recording but uh, I'm still stuck on the whole you saw him duct tape to his mother's bed. Not to, no, no. not to my mother's bed. My mother's bed. Rich's oh, you let's get this bed. correct here. I was okay. also covered in blood, too. Yeah. So if that makes it any easier for people to figure out. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so I, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for this week's podcast, obviously, because next week we have uh, our Killing Joke episode is going to be next week since Rob and I are going to see that. And we were thinking initially we might play a little game with Rich, but... I don't know why we didn't think of this last week when we were talking about it, but uh, something huge happened this weekend. We knew it was coming. We knew there was going to be a ton of information. Uh, we're idiots because Comic-Con was this weekend. Well, I mean, the, the big thing is, like, I, we knew Comic-Con was coming, but we didn't know what we were going to get by Sunday morning. Um, it, depending on what panels are, you never really know how much news is going to hit. And bear in mind, there could be a ton of stuff that still hits today, which will be in the Killing Joke episode. So we'll just... Lately, say this is going to be our San Diego Comic Con episode part one point five because I think what's going to hit Sunday is going to be minimal. Uh, but holy shit, there yeah, was a but, lot that happened yesterday. Yeah, man, DC, DC had a huge presence at Comic Con this year, and whew, there was a lot more that came out than I was even anticipating. I'm impressed with how early it is. I think they finally learned their lesson about people filming stuff in the uh, the panels and releasing it online. Remember, like sometimes it would take like weeks. There'd be like people talking about it, and they just wait and wait and wait to release like those teasers and all that. I think this is for me. I think it's one of the fastest I've seen. It's like, all right, it happened. Boom, it's online. And that's I'm really happy that they did that because they need to build the best buzz that they can do at this point in time about any of these films. Get people excited and say, hey, look. We listened. We're course correcting. And I think all the trailers we saw really showed that they listened quite a bit. I mean, we got little bits and pieces, but 
I mean, obviously that means we're talking about they released a Wonder Woman trailer, which I don't think anybody expected yesterday. I mean, yes and no, because of the 75th anniversary. Um, Justice League, though. I was not expecting that at no, all. At no. all. And I know it seems very early footage, but I mean, what they showed looked visually very good. It looked like it, the post-production work that they had on it, a lot better, a lot brighter color uh, color palettes and sections. Um, and then uh, the final trailer for Suicide Squad hit. And then there's a whole bunch of other DC property stuff that got um, trailers yesterday as well. Um, I mean, I don't even know how we want to break this down. So do we just want to tackle the big dog in the room, talk Justice League first, or do we want to go with the smaller stuff first and build up to that? I, I say maybe start with DC films first and then go into DC television. Okay. Would probably make uh, more sense to me. Um, I will. I would. I would like to start the conversation with one comment in particular, uh, and that is, it's amazing what you can get when Jeff John or when Jeff Johns is now in charge of creative and not Zack Snyder. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. When it comes to Justice League in particular. Uh, uh, so do we want to, Rich? Do you want to start with Justice League? I think. Just, I think that's one to tackle because that's kind of one I've always uh, thought about. Just uh, two in relation to the other trailers that dropped. But it's kind of like after watching the other ones and now seeing that is that you're hoping you're kind of course correcting and making it what Batman v Superman and kind of you wanted the field to be in a way that I hope they course correct it that way. Because one of the biggest issues I had with a lot of them kind of almost it always felt rushed when they were jumping into a lot of this, that the one thing that they didn't have the entire time was that emotional connection for fans like how you built up on the, you know, the other side had years to build up so that you can jump into these big movies and not need a backstory because we've already watched the backstory. We've already invested in these characters. So I think now it's hoping by that point now with justice league, with where they go, that now they'll try to build that up a little bit more. And you've got that a little bit too, adding wonder woman and, um, some of the other trailers that they were trying to push out there to try to get people to really be in those characters beforehand. So it was a nice little tidbit showing some of the interaction. And so like where it's kind of going to begin, you know, we see the box getting buried and, and, and that sort of thing. But I hope they go into kind of really getting people invested into the characters first of all. And I hope they've learned that lesson. And it seems like they're kind of giving it a little more playful tone with wonder woman and Batman kind of joking like more or less, you know, (laughs) Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm in the same ilk of that, too. I had a lot of worries going into Justice League because of, obviously, I've made no bones about the fact I did not like Man of Steel. Batman vs. Superman was very disappointing to me. Uh, but again, I mentioned now we have Jeff Johns in charge of creative. It's no longer Zack Snyder, even though he is still directing Justice League. Uh, and I'm, we can see just in that two and a half minutes that we got uh, cut together, obviously, the I don't even think the film is completed yet, so we're just getting bits and pieces that they already have. But a lot of worries that I had have kind of been set at ease, even just at that two and a half minutes that we got. I'm actually very hopeful about this movie, unlike the way I was with Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman. Uh, first off, it is it does seem very lighter compared to obviously Batman vs Superman, even though you can kind of expect a darker tone with Batman vs Superman because it is a Batman film. Uh, and obviously he has a much darker character than Superman. But, you know, with all these other characters that we have in it, it seems like they've lightened up the tone quite a bit. Uh, we're getting our first real look at Ezra Miller as the Flash, which was a huge worry for me because 
I'm such a fan of Grant Gustin as the Flash on a television show that I didn't know what to expect from Ezra, especially the fact that the last two times we saw him, both in uh, BVC that or BVS that the first time we saw him was a future version of him when he had like a goatee and we didn't I didn't even know that's who it was, and then we see him in a video clip in an email, he's got like longer hair and he looks disheveled. Now we're actually seeing him as what looks like a fresh-faced kid. The interaction between him and Bruce is fantastic. Uh, and I'm very hopeful now. I think Ezra is a good choice for that role. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it was awesome because we also got to see a couple other things. Like, we really got to see Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry kind of doing his thing. And we like, and it was nice, too, because it looks like they got Amnesty Bay perfect. Like, that, like, Fisherman's Wharf-style town, like this very little coastal city, and it looks like Amnesty Bay has always been portrayed as far as the comic books. Mm -hmm. So I really like that, and I really like the fact that he's there, and they, like, you know, Bruce mentions that he's looking for this guy that basically comes in on the king's side and basically brings food to the people. And I'm like, that is very much Arthur Curry, and I like that, and I love the fact that he is, you can see that they're really making sure Aquaman's staying true to Aquaman, where he is... You know, an Atlantean, but he's also human as well. Like, he's a mix of both. And his humanistic side is making sure he takes care of the town that he grew up in. And then I'm sure you'll see him deal with also having to deal with his Atlantean heritage in this. And I think they got it spot on and where it needs to be. Um, I love that they are not afraid to make the joke. And they even do it in the trailer of the very, very end line. Yes. I was actually going to bring that up. You know, him and, him and, and Bruce are standing down. He's like, I hear you talk to fish and they just cut it. And I'm like, that's great. It's good because they need to get this conception of people of Aquaman out of their heads. Now they don't want to fight this. I think the best thing for them to do. And I think Jeff John is the right guy is they need to embrace that. Um, that, you know, challenges the super friends variation that everybody thinks of whenever they think of Aquaman, when anybody that's read comics in the last 20 years knows he's a badass, um, an awesome, awesome, well-written character. And I think we're going to get a really, really solid Arthur Curry in this. I was really, really happy with that though. Yeah. I'm glad they, they did him. That was one thing I, I was really happy about too, is they, they, they made him, they really showed him as a badass, like just lifting Bruce up and throwing him against a wall. Like that's what you kind of need. And I think I really liked that casting of Jason Momoa for that because obviously after Game of Thrones is called Drogo, like it's like, wow, okay, he looks pretty, pretty badass. I think I could see him as that because yeah, there is that that pop culture assumption with Aquaman that's permeated through everything. I can think of the episode of like Family Guy where just Aquaman's out in the water. He's like, hey, he just does a little thought thing, and you see a fish pop up and go, did you call me? <laughs> oh no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> and it just everyone has that in their head. But I mean. You watch anything. I know one of my most uh, favorite recent, I guess now it's not so recent, but somewhat recent DC animated film, but the Flashpoint Paradox and just how just gruesomely badass he, the Aquaman character is in that animated film uh, based on the series. Like I was like, wow. I'm like, if they do something like this, this will eliminate any sort of like preconception or any kind of notion about like a really silly Aquaman. So I thought it was it was cool to watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the other things I really love too is like I said, you mentioned uh, Ezra Miller um, as far as Flash. Um, I loved looking around his lair because it's just piles and piles and piles and piles of books everywhere. And like somebody actually even went in, um, uh, Mr. Sunday Movies, and he went in and kind of zoomed in on some of the shots and uh, 
you can see like all the different things he's reading and you can definitely tell he's a speed reader as well. Like they're tapping into that, that we've seen in, um, you know, the flash TV show. I mean, the one thing I think that's different there is, you know, Barry mentions on the show that like, yeah, he can speed read. He can't retain all of it, but when you have the ability to read a book over and over and over again, lightning quick, it makes you wonder how incredibly smart is this version of Barry going to be? And I'm, I'm guessing very, um, but I love how quirky he was. And I think you need that. He seems like the interactions he's going to have with the rest of the team are going to help keep that film tone light. And I think Ray Fisher, if, uh, is that correct? The uh, casting for Vic Stone? Uh, you could be pretty right sure it's Ray Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Ray Fisher. Uh, I heard the two of them together on set were constantly goofing off and being silly. And Momo was a big part of that. And I heard they got Ben constantly in a happier mood every time that they were all on set together. So I heard that really bled even as the performers. So I think we're going to see a drastically lighter tone. I heard like Gal Gadot was always in the background, like laughing her ass off about what like the guys were pulling off and dumb shit that they were doing. (laughs) So I think the casting choices were right because I think you're going to see that tone that you saw in this trailer. And I think it's incredibly important. Yeah. And I mean, it's another one of those things like I'm, I'm guilty. I'm totally guilty of comparing movie trailers, you know, of DC movies to Marvel movies. And, you know, again, the Bruce Wayne, uh, Ezra Miller, the Bruce Wayne Flash or Barry Allen interaction, I felt was very similar in tone to when Tony Stark met Spider-Man in Civil War. Um, But you know what? As much as I, I, I compare them, I, it didn't bother me so much this time around because even though tonally, it's still kind of the same. It's it's a very similar situation. Um, it still felt separate enough and still just as much fun that I didn't mind it. Like, I think it's I don't think there's any other way you could have these two characters interact and, and meet each other like this. And, and it and it work any better than the way it, it looks in the trailer. And that's a, I was I was actually going to say that because my thought when I saw that was that exact same <laughs> thought. But to me, I'm just like it's it's like it's going to happen. And yeah. the thing is that everyone is is got to know. And you and one thing Warner Brothers shouldn't can't really fight is you're going to have that. It's always been DC versus Marvel. It's always there's always going to be that that bouncing line, especially now as the films are coming out. Because as of right now, Marvel is the big dog. Yes. And it's Warner Brothers and DC really trying to get that groundwork to start taking it. And if they do it right, they can. Because I always said that that Marvel may have more superheroes, but DC has the biggest ones. Yeah. And in, in regards to pop culture. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, too, to think about, too, is everybody constantly thinks back to the Marvel films whenever they see something on film. I mean, like. That feels like right out of the comics, though, in my, my brain. Anytime you see a Justice League come up, I mean, I think the last two or three starts, it's been like Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman looking over case files and dossiers for people all huddled around a table. I'm like, who do we want on this team? You know, and them going out bit by bit and talking to these people and say, we want you on the, ju- the Justice League and all this. I mean, so that's right out of the books. But I think, again, that you're right. I think everybody's going to be like, oh, this is like this scene and this. It's like comics have been happening for a long time, folks. I mean... You can't constantly compare stuff to everything else because if you think about it, I mean, you know, Marvel years ago, like, we're going to bring back Bucky. And at the same time, DC's like, we're bringing back Jason Todd. I mean, 
they're always doing the same things constantly, and things fluctuate and change. Yeah. It is how you stay relevant as a comics industry. You have to do things, and if you see something that's hitting really big for one company, you can take a concept and change it up drastically in different ways. And it's going to be emotionally impactful for the people that love those characters and those people alone. Now we all look at it in this giant scope now because we're seeing a lot of these stories you know, translate to film for the first time. But everybody's like, oh, they're just ripping off of this movie. And I'm like, well, they also ripped off thousands of movies before them and thousands of books before them. So people just need to calm down, relax. And I think just take this in and enjoy it. Because I've seen a lot of people making that assumption constantly all across the board. I know, Rich, you were saying people were bitching and moaning about the Flash having blue lightning around them. Well, yeah, I so mean, it's it, always the silliest. It's always the silliest details. People are starting to really like nitpick almost like a, a little bit too much, and that's and it's like, guys, let's just calm down. It's only a little bit because it's it's always that weird double edged catch twenty two. Everyone complains anymore that trailers show too much, but then if they don't show enough, everyone's like, well, I don't see any of this in here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing too. Like everybody wants something to bitch about, and that's like if you can get through a movie trailer without. If they can't get through a movie trailer without finding one thing to bitch about, it's their day is incomplete. It's I, and I, I'm really I really dislike people like that. Um, but you know, one of the things about this trailer that I really noticed, even in myself, is you know, there's always the Marvel fanboys, there's the DC fanboys, and anytime like one of these trailers comes out, like Man of Steel came out and Batman vs Superman came out, the same arguments always made by the DC fanboys is that oh, Marvel better watch their back because you know DC's coming after them with this. And the last two times they've said that, they've been proven wrong because the Man of Steel hasn't stood up to anything Marvel has put out, and neither has Batman vs Superman. However. And every time I read that in these movie trailers, I'm always like, all right, you guys need to calm down because it's not like that at all. Marvel's got so many steps ahead. DC's not anywhere close. However, after seeing these trailers and seeing all these fanboys come out, I start to begin to think now if if these movies are anything uh, granted, these are sizzle reels they put together for Comic-Con. They're meant to appease you. The films are still far from done. Well, Wonder Woman, I think, is finished, but Justice League is still has a lot of work that needs to be done. We've still yet to see finished products of any of these. If the finished products of these trailer of these films look anything like these scissor reels put together, these DC fanboys might actually have a point and Marvel might actually have to begin watching their back. Is it DC still has a long way to go before they're anywhere close to catching up to what Marvel's put out? But if they if this if DC continues to go down this route and make these films look this way and feel this way, they could have a couple steps on Marvel after all this. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I think everybody was saying is they're late to the game on this. That's true. I also think they're now their films that they need to hit are going to hit at the right time against Marvel though, because you have to remember we're now going to go in, we're now into phase three for Marvel. So that you could be now, combating the people that are, hey, we've seen a lot of movies with these characters, I think we're what, four, 13, 14 Marvel cinema films in at this point. Yeah. Um, some people could be getting tired of these characters and don't feel the need to go out and see them. And But now we're also getting into the solo films of characters that maybe a lot of people may not have as much interest in. Like, I loved Black Panther, but you wonder how that film's going to do with the box office. You know, they announced Captain Marvel. How is Doctor Strange going to do all these little things? Because ultimately, these are the characters that are going to become the big leads going forward when everybody's contracts are now impossible to appease as far as, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and all that stuff. So uh, you're wondering, you know, 
how they're going to stack up against. It's like, hey, you know, Doctor Strange is out, but here's Wonder Woman. Um, you know, I, I'm really, really curious to see how that story is going to play out. I'm very, very curious. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. And I think. Uh, well, back to your point, Ben, with saying um, about how you know everyone's like comparing things, like you know that 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 Man of Steel came out and that kind of was like the start, and it was it was not the hit that it could stand up to those movies. Well, people forget a lot of times too. I think the difficulty was because that was a misstep on their first step. I think yeah. Marvel get Marvel gets forgiven because the first Iron Man was their first step and it was that's what took this whole thing off. But Iron Man two got razzed a lot. Iron Man three got razzed a lot. I remember seeing a lot of people complain about both of those films. I know Thor Thor two, a lot of people Thor, were iffy about some yeah. people love, some people hate it. Thor Thor two was kind of just like I mean, was just kind of there. It wasn't anything like groundbreaking as some of the other films that they had done that really grab attention. But I think they almost get forgiven a little bit more because it's all about at times that first impression yeah and because their first impression was whoa while dc's was it kind of didn't live up to that hype and it, it didn't live up to the hype that it was coming out as i think that's why almost they get a harsher measuring stick to it even though marvel's had some trips it's yeah those movies still made money but as far as films themselves they were technically just as much of a trip as you could look at as something like man of steel yeah but that's that's what makes it a little bit difficult for dc and on the topic of man of steel too it's it, Going, you know, going to Justice League, and this will be the final point I make on Justice League, uh, unless anybody else has anything. I got to two add to it. or one tiny. Yeah, little yeah, one. that's fine. I just said this is the final point I'll make. But um, one of the things I actually kind of enjoyed about Justice League, or at least what we saw, because it's been revealed already that there's not going to be a lot of Superman in Justice League. If, and if anything, not until the end of the film, uh, because oh, because because of the events of Batman v Superman. Spoiler alert. Uh, you know that we saw the death of Superman, so uh, he's not going to be rejoining the team until the end of Justice League, and I think that actually kind of helped because through Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, I found Superman to be a little bit miserable um, and kind of dragged the tone of the movies down. So I think that's something else that's helping Justice League right now is not having Superman involved, and that says a lot because I'm a huge Superman fan. I grew up on Superman, but to not. This version of Superman that we've seen, that of Zack Snyder, has been very dark and brooding. Mopey and, soups. Yeah, and that's exactly what he's been. And I think not having – taking him out of this film is definitely raising the level of it. Well, yeah, so, I mean we'll I, see. I, yeah, I, I agree because now you can basically say Superman's been reborn not just physically but also maybe his personality. Like everything about him, he's like, I'm very happy to be alive. I'm very thankful for this. I'm going to be the hero I should have been before this. And, you know, watching their reaction to the Justice League and all that stuff, I think we're going to see the Superman that comes out of that grave a drastically different person. And I think it's going to be the classic Superman that we all love. I think with Jeff Johns now there, they're going to make sure that they do that moment perfectly. Yes. One of the things, though, I got to bring up, too, with this first time we got to see uh, Vic Stone full on in Cyborg. And that we know for a fact that entire suit is CG. Yes. And it looked beautiful. I don't know what your guys thoughts were on that. Uh, no, I enjoy, I liked it. Um, it you can tell uh, very obviously by looking at it <clears throat> that it is a CG costume, um, because it would be impossible to do something like that in a physical in a physical sense. Um, but it didn't seem overly CGI to me. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing seeing what it is. Yeah, I wanted to, I actually wanted to see more of it. That was one of the kind of disappointment. Is like I I think I know they were trying to go for where. I guess where their goal is, they know where they know where their 
right now where their hot spots are, and that's why we got Flash because of the series being so popular, and they're trying to win people over with with Ezra Miller and trying to be like, look, see, he's he's funny too, you know, yeah. as a Flash. So I think that's why we didn't get a lot of Vic Stone in the Justice League trailer, and who knows, they might not even have that much footage. But as far as the look, I think it's I think it's fine. I mean, we obviously know the technology's there, like not doing as we were just talking about comparing, but I mean. Iron Man suit, the metallic is always something CG where they can usually make it fairly realistic looking if wait, it's done if it's done right. Wait, you mean that's not a real suit? <laughs> but making it, uh, <laughs> I know, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Man. Just, I know. We all want robot suits, Ben. We I know. Um, but but I think I think it's going to look good. I think they're going to do a good job. I it, and it left me wanting more. So I mean, their job is done. I wanted to see more of that because I feel like the Vic Stone character I think is has a difficulty rating up there with Aquaman about people getting on board. Yeah. Um, the last thing I think that I'm kind of looking at that trailer is we had what looked like a whole bunch of new gods, probably on Themyscira or somewhere burying a mother box. I mean, I know. When I saw that, that's exactly what I took from that. Is that was High Father probably standing there, because you, you know Richard and me were looking at it. and He's like maybe medieval, but like mentally kind of going back through the, my very slow little rolodex in my brain this morning. Um, that armor is very not medieval. It looked very otherworldly, but still kind of appeasing and appealing to some of that stuff. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more new gods than we expect. I don't think it's just going to be Steppenwolf. I think we're going to get some flashbacks of some real classic, classic New Gods characters. And I think that could be really cool. Like, it'd be amazing to see High Father and, like, Orion or something like that pop up somewhere in the background, even in a flashback. Like, Cowlback, wouldn't that be freaking awesome, though? I mean, like... I'd love to see Orion. Because I know, we already know we're going to see Parademons and Steppenwolf, so if you're already going to say, screw it, we're going deep, I mean, <laughs> why not? Why not do it? And I, I kind of hope they even, even if it's his backstory as the build-up towards Darkseid. So. And I hope they introduce Steppenwolf with music by Steppenwolf. Yes. <laughs> That's important. Steppenwolf comes out to magic carpet ride. <laughs> uh, so shall we dive into, what do you want to do, Wonder Woman, then we'll do the final Suicide Squad trailer? And yeah. Then, uh, yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm fine so, with that. I, I do a little Lego Batman to uh, cleanse the palette, <laughs> and then we'll move into to TV. I do have to say, though, on the note of Wonder Woman, uh, with the way the trailer starts with Gal Gadot and Chris Pine on the beach, um, probably not the best way going into this trailer after having seen Star Trek Beyond this weekend, because the first thought of my mind was that Captain Kirk crashed, and that's how he landed on a beach, because Chris Pine, as we know, is Captain Kirk. So, um, so is that like the Titanic Inception kind of crossover <laughs> yeah, that everyone thinks of. about? Like, you yeah. know. <laughs> it's, it's, the star, it's the Star Trek Wonder Woman um, it's it's kind of like those comic books. I, I like I saw a comic book this weekend that was uh, Doctor Who joins the crew of um, TNG for for a short run to help uh, Picard. So this is sort of similar as that uh, Captain Kirk came over to the DC universe to help Wonder Woman for a bit. <laughs> almost like when all was right in the world. Yeah. Almost like when they crashed on the planet of the apes. Which is right, a we'll real. We hear a sweet Beastie Boys song as they fight people in World War and World War One. <laughs> hey, if you haven't seen the movie, that was an awesome moment in the movie. That was an <laughs> awesome moment. That was that. That made me go, okay, I'm on board with this. Yeah, me too. Okay. I will see that probably sometime in the next week or two. I've got a lot of movies to to catch up uh, on in the next week. So, uh, but yeah, initial thoughts of Wonder Woman. Or from the get-go, I always said, even before the trailer, when they did the first announcement and kind of showed, or even just the first couple of set photos where you saw it was a period piece, I went right off the bat, I love this. I think it's a great idea going period right off the bat. 
I, I think it works for that character to kind of get people on board with with her. And and it, it almost made me go, man, it really stinks this wasn't before Batman v Superman because <laughs> then once again, as I said in the get-go, uh, being in the episode, talking about that emotional connection, then when people saw, like, sorry, spoiler alert for those that haven't seen Batman v Superman, but the photo, you could be like, oh, man, I remember that. And you're yeah. atta- already attached because you watched this movie and got invested in those characters that are in that photo. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm ready for it. I mean, that was she was one of the things that, uh, even though some people say she was kind of shoehorned into Batman v Superman, I loved watching her in it uh, when she appeared. And I went, okay, I'm just watching, just getting the fighting feel, and now seeing this trailer, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I, I really think it's going to be a cool flick. I thought she was actually one of the better parts of Batman v Superman too. I mean, yep. obviously, obviously, I, I still think the strongest part of that movie was Affleck as Batman. I think that's one of the best Batmans we've seen, and um, you know, it was recently confirmed at Comic Con this week too that you know he is in fact directing <clears throat> the the standalone Batman movie. But going back to Wonder Woman, at, when I saw her during Batman v Superman, I I got excited for the Wonder Woman movie then. Uh, but Rich, going back to your point, I think you're right. I think had we seen the Wonder Woman before the Wonder Woman film before Batman v Superman, I think it might have even helped enhance uh, Batman v Superman if that were the case. Um, you know, because we would have had that emotional connection to Wonder Woman already at this point. But I, I agree too. I'm I'm liking the fact that it's a period piece. Obviously, it's going to be some kind of an origin story for Wonder Woman. We're going to find out who she is. And for the comic book fans, that's good. I just hope they don't dive too deep into it to the point where it's not it, it kind of confuses people who aren't familiar with her at all. Well, I mean, I feel like they got it across even pretty easily in the trailer and they're like, "So, who was your father?" "Oh, uh, I didn't have one. Uh, Zeus made me." Yeah. And you're like, "Well, <laughs> there you go. Done." It's like, "Welcome to Themyscira." So you don't have guys here. No. So done. Uh, everything you need to really know about Wonder Woman, gods, Zeus, Themyscira, Island of Amazonian women. They got that all across. I mean, they, they truncated that origin perfectly in two, two and a half minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't imagine it's going to really screw people up too much. Um, I, I think it's a character that's also is, I mean, she's celebrating her 75th anniversary. So, Everybody, if you ask who Wonder Woman is, most people know who at least can say this is the character, you know, the Invisible Jet, uh, the the Lasso of Truth, and all these things. They may not know words like Themyscira and, you know, Hippolyta and all these other things, but or even thus the name Diana Prince, but most people still know who she is. So I don't think it's going to be a hard sell. And it looks, all those little factors that we know about her, or the average person knows about her, were really represented very well in the trailer. So I think... I think this is they, they cut that together perfectly. I mean, I think anybody, whoever cut together any of these trailers during San Diego Comic-Con, they cut together the exact right trailers in the exact right way. Um, and like you said, Ben, it's they're doing stuff to show people and appease the fans. And I think they were very intelligent and smart even to get the little bits of detail for people that don't know these characters. And this is their first introduction. Yeah. Now, I, <clears throat> you brought up a very interesting point. This is something I didn't even think about until now. Um, are we ever going to see, I have to word this correctly because we won't see it either way, but is the invisible jet going to make a play in these films? (laughs) I was going to say, are we ever going to see the invisible jet? But no, we're not. My my brain was, my brain was right there when he said, (laughs) like uh, when he was just listing off the things that people know in in pop culture knowledge. (laughs) And I'm part of me is going like, no, we know the time period that came from. 
that's when they put in all this silly stuff and everyone's going, no, I'm going to say definitely no. It's no, a fun thing to think about. And I hope, I hope if Gail Godot ever hosts SNL, they do that as a sketch. Yes. Well, I mean, the, one of the funny things is, I don't know if you guys saw the shots, people were taking pictures. There was a little setup at con for the 75th anniversary and they had a massive invisible jet. And it was basically all just, it was this bubble dome thing that was all shaped like a plane with little striations around it set in the clouds. People were going in and being able to take pictures sitting inside the invisible jet. It looked so stupid and wonderful. And I'm like, I want, I hope that's in the movie. I really, really do. If, if they're not going to do it in the movie, I hope they at least just do like a little nod to it. It just, in some form of dialogue, just make a mention of some form of invisible jet. And then I'll, we, I'll be happy as a fan. We'll be hysterical. It's like, you know, Steve Trevor walking around Thanoscare Island and there's this building that's like a hangar and there's this giant tarp over it and he pulls it off and there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And I'm like, done. That's all you need to do. <laughs> yep. So, well, yeah. And obviously we might, uh, this is what Rob said, we'll hit in the uh, tail end, but I mean, like, come on, just throw it, just, you can throw it in Lego Batman. Just be like, you know, she pops in at the end. <laughs> need a ride. I think they did it in the Lego movie, didn't they? Did they do it in the Lego movie? The I think they, they blew up the Invisible Jet. Oh, they blew jet. up the Invisible Jet. Yeah. <laughs> at one they point. Did do that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it'll be interesting. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, with both Justice League and Wonder Woman, the tone of these trailers is great. And I think if the movies come across anything like the trailers do, uh, DC is back on track, man. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, any big highlights for any of you guys as far as Wonder Woman, the actual trailer? Uh, not really. I mean, I, there's really nothing I can – nothing else I can really say. I'm, I'm excited to see – Chris Pine, I know there's going to be some other supporting characters we haven't really seen yet. I was very, I will say, I was excited at the end of the trailer to see a Shaun of the Dead alum is in the cast. I guess nobody else caught that. Uh, this um, Steve Trevor's secretary is... Uh, at a, um, a candy? Yeah, is uh, Lucy Davis from Shaun of the Dead. Oh, wow, I didn't oh, even realize yeah, that. Yeah, I did. didn't even catch that one. Yep, that's, nope, that she was... She was Diane in Shaun of the Dead. Oh, wow. Wow. She, I hate to say this, but she did not age well. Uh, <laughs> you could, well, it was Shaun of the Dead, let's not forget, was like 12 years ago. So, I mean, oh, still, but she did not age well in 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, God. That's 12 years. My God. Of 2004, man. Yeah. Oh. We're all getting Old. increasingly, increasingly older. Um, I think, too, it was cool seeing some uh, some lasso action. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was really impressed. They that, that was heavily featured in some of that that initial like towards the end of the trail, like just big fight scene, and she just throwing people around with it. Uh, I thought that was that was pretty interesting because that's always like another thing that's like partially that's not as silly as an invisible jet, but it's got a little <laughs> bit of silliness to it. Like this is my lasso of truth, and you know it's always that thing. I'm like, okay, what 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 S and M creator thought of this one? Like, be like, <laughs> well, actually, that's kind of where it came from. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, if you uh, know your Wonder Woman history, you also know the person that wrote uh, wrote the character had a lot of tones in S and M in there specifically. Yeah. So so, but it was cool seeing it like used as a pretty cool weapon, and her just like throwing stuff and people around with it. So and breaking a gun across her back. Yeah, like like just showing her using all the wep all the weapons in her arsenal. Like we got the shield, we got the gauntlets, and you got the the lasso, and her just kind of flying around. So that was pretty cool. And it's funny too because I know this is switching over to comic books just for a second, but you'll get the reference. Um, I'm I'm gradually getting caught up on everything Rebirth, and I'm almost caught up. And I just read uh, this initial weeks 
uh, Justice League number one, in which actually opens with a big Wonder Woman taking on an army, uh, you know, short number of panels in the beginning. And then I watched the trailer for Wonder Woman and it's literally that's what it is. I mean, it's it was her with the lasso action, as you mentioned, Rich, you know, taking on all these people and throwing these soldiers around. That's exactly what I just read in the comic book. So uh, it, they've got everything pretty well done, you know, comparing her character to the comic book. So I was I was excited by that. Cool. So, um, one other trailer that we saw over the course, and I'm excited for this because I have for the next two Mondays, I have DC uh, because Rob, you and I are going to see Killing Joke, obviously, before a Killing Joke issue next week. And the following Monday, I'm actually going to an advanced screening of Suicide Squad. Nice. Which I would take you with me, but the screening is so limited that they are only allowing one person. So It's I, okay. It's not, okay. I, I have tickets for Thursday night. So And uh, that episode is also going to be late because I am away all that weekend. So we'll be recording Monday night for the Suicide Squad one. Yeah, so. and that's fine. Um but yeah, I we got to see a Comic-Con specific Suicide Squad, which is also the final trailer for Suicide Squad. And I loved the fact that it just started with Hey Hall H, want to see something. And in the in the, the animated style of, you know, what we're seeing from the uh the fonts and everything from this. Uh but we did. We got to see the final Comic-Con trailer for Suicide Squad. So, what were and we got to see a lot more of the film in this too. So uh, what were some of our initial thoughts about Suicide Squad? Well, my initial thoughts from the get-go of Suicide Squad, I, I was excited for them to kind of do that storyline. I always liked the Suicide Squad. Um, Rob and I were talking uh, uh, off-air about even just the animated movie like that came out. Even though it was called Batman Assault on Arkham, it was basically a Suicide Squad movie. And I even enjoyed the, the playful tone of that while still being pretty action-packed. So I'd been watching the trailers and kind of really – kind of keeping an eye on it because it was like some characters I, I, I like the way they've done it on screen. Some of them I'm a little bit iffy. Um, so I kind of was waiting to see something and so far as the trailers have progressed, I've gotten more and more and more interested and excited for the film. Like it started off kind of as a slow build and then really built up to something like this where I'm like, alright, this could have like a really awesome tone to it. Like this could be a fantastic movie. But the one thing, too, that this is going to hinge on, I feel like it has to be fantastic for, for DC right now. This is the one I think it's like kind of on a knife edge. Even though we have some great trailers that we've, we've just talked about, I think after Batman v Superman, they need a win. Yeah. And if this movie pulls it off, it's going to be a big win. Yeah. But it's got to do it. And I think it's got the tools to do it. It's just got to hit all those right marks. Like Harley Quinn is a mark. It's got to really hit. The, the chemistry between the cast has really got to hit and get the, that kind of balance of tone where you're going to follow villains, but you got to like them a little bit. you got to find a way to make them a little bit likable and then really kind of wrap up that whole movie and make people come out going, this was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, too, I mean, like, I agree it's got to be a big win. Um, but in my mind, I think it just has to be good. Like, think about the way that a lot of us are talking about Ghostbusters. I really enjoyed it. When I say it's in, like, my top 20, 30 films, not even close. But, I mean, like, it was really good. It was fun. That's all it has to do. It doesn't have to be great. The best thing ever, like, the way that we all walked out of when we saw The Dark Knight. Like, that is amazing. That is one of the best films I've ever seen. It's just got to be good and last mentally. I mean, the same way, like, things like Jurassic World. I know a lot of people don't think about it anymore, but it was still a fun movie. It's just got to have that summer buzz 
that people are talking about it two, three weeks. It's got to be on people's minds. I mean, everybody that's going to want to see this movie is going to see it in two weeks anyway. Uh, that's pretty much how every one of these films work. Um, the majority of people are going to see it then. And as long as people are talking about it and getting other people to go see it, I think it's going to do fine. It's going to do well. Um, I think the more and more I'm seeing Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, I'm liking it. I'm really liking how Killer Croc is in the background of a lot of stuff. He seems very amusing. Captain Boomerang seems like he may be one of the breakouts of this film. He seems like he's one of the major antagonists on the team constantly alongside Harley. And I think we're seeing a Will Smith that we haven't seen in a very long time. It's the Will Smith that is Will Smith in all of the movies that he's in. Where he's broken good, away from you, that a lot. You mean a good week. actor? Yeah. Okay. Where he's broken like away Will from Smith, that a lot. I that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and now he, in the last couple of years, we've seen him just do movies just to feel like just to make movies. Um, but I think we're, we're going back to that classic Will Smith that we all really kind of came to love. And uh, it's nice to see that that side of him again on screen. So yeah. um, I think it's exciting. And Leto's looking good. Leto's looking really good. I mean, it's funny, too, because you mentioned, you know, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. And obviously we have Joker. We have Batman that are going to be in this film, too. But I, I really think I was already on board with Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn from the beginning of this. I thought it was I think it's a great portrayal. And the more and more I see it, the more and more I stand by that. And I think she's going to be, as you mentioned, Captain Boomerang. I think she's going to be one of the stars of this movie. She's going to be the standout of everybody, um, you know, even more so than Joker and. Oh, yeah. And uh, and Batman, because we know that's and it looks like the more and more trailers we see, too, it looks more and more. We're actually going to see the origin of Harley Quinn, <clears throat> which I'm excited for, because I want to see other than obviously the animated series. We've never really seen that before. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, one of the other last things, they also released a little B-roll footage from Suicide Squad uh, last night as well after the trailer hit. And in those bits of B-roll you actually see Margot Robbie in the prison jumpsuit going through a box of clothing and pulls out the classic jester outfit and holds it up yeah. to her. And you also see that same <clears throat> suit on a mannequin in a shot with Jared Leto's Joker or that infamous scene you see top down where he's surrounded by all those knives. Um, you, that actually mannequin with that original suit is there. And that's the one they actually screen tested for the flick that they decided just didn't work with what they were doing. So it's kind of cool to see that the classic suit is there and will be represented somewhere in the movie, even for a second or two. Yeah. So. So. Uh, but yeah, I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm excited for the movie. Um, I almost feel like I know this is part of the DCU, but I, I watch these trailers and, and I look forward to this movie and I read on this movie. I almost feel like it isn't like I feel like it's on its own. Uh, obviously, we're seeing Batman come over and it is the same Batman. It's, it's Ben Affleck playing Batman. Um and I think I've even heard rumors of, you know, Jared Leto as the Joker showing up in, in other films later on, whether it be flashbacks or whatever. Uh, but I almost feel like this movie kind of stands alone. I don't feel like it's connected to the rest of the DCU. And that makes me more excited for it. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to this screening. And I have a feeling this is going to be the first DC movie that has come out. Granted, there's only been two others before this. But... I think this is going to be the first of them that I'm probably going to want to see multiple times in the theater. But I think to your point about the different tone, how it seems so so aside from the rest of what's going to be like the DC universe, I think it almost has to be because it's all villains. It's yeah. not it's not heroes. So you've got to have that twist, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be separate from the universe. It's almost like when you read different comics 
and there's different tones based on the characters themselves. And uh, and back to Rob's point, talking about saying that it doesn't need to be great, it just needs to be good. And that's, that was kind of the point I was getting at, to be something that has legs. Like, they need a movie that's going to have legs and going to have that proper buzz and and be a little bit more. And who knows? And hopefully they can fix this because a lot of the recent movies uh, talking about Batman v Superman, even mentioning Ghostbusters, one of the biggest issues I've heard with a lot of recent movies that had big buzz and were good, but not great was the third or not even just not even going to greatness. But something that could be solid is that third act. Like hopefully they don't have a messy third act where you're trying to get that build up to that final thing because i feel like that could really hurt the legs of the movie that so hopefully they've gotten every piece that they need and know how to make that kind of wrap to make it not only that good movie but that's helping a good ending or even just an okay ending will really keep that going because i think that's going to be their biggest issue they don't want to have those ads going out of like oh it's got a 60 percent drop off from week one to week two because all that negative buzz, I think that really was one of the things that, that really started to kill Batman v Superman. Yeah. Well, not only that, too, but, I mean, you look towards the future of these films. Uh, DC has a habit of getting way ahead of themselves, you know, with things. I mean, we saw – and we've already seen plans change. I mean, we saw announcements even before Batman v Superman came out of The Flash, of Aquaman, Justice League Part 1, Justice League Part 2, which is now just Justice League Part 1, and the second one's going to be named something completely different. And we've already seen that with Suicide Squad as well, and that we've already heard an announcement of a Harley Quinn spinoff that's going to be coming out of this. So we kind of – we have to hope that this first movie is good before you're making announcements of other movies. Because if this movie is a flop, nobody's going to want to see that other movie even after you've already announced it and begun to make it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, bear in mind, though, too, like a lot of those announcements – are these things have been greenlit and anybody that knows anything about movie making when something's greenlit says that's pretty much saying hey you over there you want to write a script to this if it sucks we're not going to make your movie yeah but go ahead and start your treatment and your story and find who you want to work on this project and then we'll go from there but i mean it's no different than marvel's restructured and shuffled as well too and you you're wondering sometimes how many they're going to do that they said they're going to do are they going to hit their marks are they going to squeeze in other films to Play off everybody else. But like I said, with Suicide Squad, I'm, I'm hoping that this is kind of like, how, as you put it, feels like it's on its own. Very much in the way Guardians of the Galaxy does. That feels so, for the most part, barely, uh, barely tied to anything else with the exception of an Infinity Stone and Thanos being there. But if those two little quick moments were there, whatever. I mean, it felt like it was just its own thing. Um, I, I think, I'm hoping that this feels like Chapter 1. Like the real start of Chapter 1 of the DC Cinematic Universe where we can look at you know, Man of Steel and BVS is kind of like the prologue to things to come. It's kind of like, okay, here's the players and here's a little backstory about them and that's it. And then like, and then this is going to be the, the hard push. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm hopeful. And again, I got to say, the music selections and the way that they cut their trailers oh, are yeah. absolutely amazing. We heard three songs that was remixed all from the album. Um, and it starts off with Heathen, then it goes into, I forget what the second song was. Um, I'll torture you. I think it was yeah. that was by like Imagine Dragons, and then like I think Jay Z was on there, and like Wiz Khalifa, and all these other people, and then they did like what like Rick Ross and um, Skrillex doing their song uh, Purple Lamborghini at the end. But it was all so well cut together. Like they just make they're doing their marketing so well. I mean, they're not at Deadpool level marketing, but they're getting pretty damn close. <laughs> Yeah, I don't so. think anybody's getting the Deadpool level marketing. I think. No, no. <laughs> that character just allows itself to have a new level of marketing. Um, 
But one thing, actually, one character, just uh, to for at least my final point, that I think one that I've always enjoyed, no matter where I've seen her, Amanda Waller. I always, I, I think if she's done well, like that's just a, a, can be just such a really engaging, just scary character. Yeah, I was gonna say she like the traditional classic Amanda Waller, the Wall, like yeah. is a terrifying character. And I think they did the right casting for this one. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm. I think it's. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And it's the thing is like, what's great about her is like, it's just she's just a person, but she's just so like just cold, calculated, she's intelligent. Cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with that completely. I think the casting for this movie has been great. I mean, uh, one of the other things I noticed in this trailer that I didn't really notice more so than anything else is just the subtle little nuances. Rob, you had touched base on this a little bit. Um, the subtle little nuances of Killer Croc, just like the facial expressions and the faces that he makes. The chuckling, I, they, the chuckling yeah. in the background. And... and they made me chuckle, like when mm-hmm. I'm watching the trailer. And I want to – that – alone will make me pay more attention to killer croc when i'm watching this and i love that it's it's he's all practical effects that's that's awesome i love that he's all practical uh i'm a little i'm still gonna hold my opinion on him until i see the film um because uh for you lost fans i love mr echo uh (laughs) but i i feel like the head just seems really big to me i don't know it just looks really gigantic in the trailers to me and I like, and I want him to be kind of like Skye. I mean, that dude—he's a big dude in real life. I mean, he's huge. So it's like when they cast him, I'm like, "Oh, perfect! He's got the frame and he's got the chops to do it." And then when I saw it, I was like, "I'm glad they went practical." But it just like the head is my only issue. It, for some reason, looks really big to me. I might just be the the the, the trailers. It might just be like whatever the angle of the shot. Or the, it's the, uh, it's I think maybe a big problem with it too is we're always seeing him with the hoodie on. So I'm wondering. I want to see him like you know. No shirt, stuff like that, and see what they did to the body. The design of that is like he a little bit more scaled up down his back, and maybe that'll look a little bit better. But I think the bulky clothing that they're putting on him makes him kind of look a little goofy in a couple spots. But, yeah. um, but the way that they're portraying the character seems dead on and perfect. So oh, yeah. I'm very yeah. happy with that. Has it been revealed yet what character Scott Eastwood is playing in the film? Uh, all we know as of right now is Scott Eastwood is working alongside Rick Flag as another uh, uh, officer. There are two massive theories still at the right now uh, that we know have not been shot down from any of the writers or David Ayer, uh, where Scott Eastwood is either potentially playing Deathstroke or Nightwing. Okay. Uh, that isn't on the ground level, trying to keep things in check on what's happening. But it could he could very well just be just a soldier. So I'm very curious. I, I did. He, I heard another rumor, and I, I heard that he could possibly be portraying Oliver Queen. So I don't know what the truth is to that. I don't um, know because I, I think there's still. I think we would have heard something if he was actually playing Green Arrow, um, just for the fact of they would have made a huge deal about that there was a cinematic universe Green Arrow coming, uh, even if it's something small. Um, I think they're. Still a little bit afraid of that one because I think Amel has been kind of this guiding force for the TV series. Even if the last two seasons weren't that great, he's he's been able to he's he's really wanted to be this person that is just really taking care of his character and kind of just make sure he's a representation. And they've done a good job to make sure anytime like there's a Lego game or anything like or a skin pack for injustice for Christ's sake. He went in and recorded dialogue. He's always been that character since he's been that character wherever media has been hitting. Yeah. Um, so I'd be very curious or I, I uh, to see if they would go that route, but I, I don't think so. 
I, I'm, right now, I'm still thinking Eastwood is just a uh, just a soldier. I think he's just there, uh, and that's it, right, at this point. There's the other guy, too, that was uh, Hoyt from True Blood is in there, too. He's one of the other um, soldiers as well. And there's been a lot of thought processes that he's actually the one that's playing Deathstroke. So we don't mm. quite know yet. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like I want an older Deathstroke. That's just me. I would. I think Nightwing is a great. I. I hadn't. I heard heard a little bit of that, but not much of it. But I think that would be a cool thing because I was that to me would make a lot of sense. That like he's like undercover, since we're already we already know we're seeing Batman as like a little tidbit in there. Yeah. That would be kind of a really great tie-in that he's like the kind of undercover. Yeah, I mean, and they've already said, they've already said he's alive and exists in this world. We know Barbara Gordon as Oracle exists in this world. I mean, there was a little. Easter egg that somebody found on the ultimate cut of BBS that uh, they posted last week where somebody pulled up a screenshot of Bruce sitting in front of like his terminal at the back computer and it said the Oracle network as far as where he was hacking through. So I'm like all these little things like so we know this character more than likely exists. So I'm wondering what they're going to do with it. I'm really, really curious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one final trailer that we got out of Comic-Con and we learned one very important thing from this trailer in that. Uh, Batman does not live in Bruce Wayne's basement. Um, Bruce Wayne lives in Batman's attic. Yes. <laughs> which, which I thought was a line, uh, a great line from that trailer. But we're talking, of course, about the Lego Batman trailer. Uh, so I figure we could spend like one or two minutes on this just to uh, just kind of wrap it up. And Rob, as you had mentioned, clean, cleanse the palate before yeah. we go into the television <laughs> stuff. Um, but I'll tell you, I think that I, I love I've I've been a big fan of the Lego video games just because of their humor and and the fun behind them. And then of course we got the the Lego movie, which was fantastic. And Will Arnett as Batman was just so over, so over the top. It it's so, it's darkness. <laughs> uh, and uh, the fact that we're getting a spinoff of Lego Batman and Will Arnett is going to be portraying the part again. Like I, I'll be in theaters watching this movie and oh, yeah. laughing Absolutely. my ass off at the whole thing. Um, but yeah, the the whole Robin unveil was amazing. But I also loved the my favorite actually jokes through that trailer were actually Alfred kind of like you know <laughs> blocking the his the internet put a firewall internet well against the internet. He's like no more no more computers. No, it's like uh, and it's uh, it's not nighttime. It's actually day and it's all this stuff. And it was like the over the top parent version of parenting Batman was just amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's just like a brooding teenager. <laughs> So it was, I, it was so much more enjoyable. Well, I was like, as I said, uh, I'm glad that that something came out of the Lego movie because I thought it was a crime that that was not in any sort of Oscar contention for a best animated film because yeah. it was such a great film. And uh, and then watching Will Arnett when they did the song that was nominated, and he comes out playing guitar dressed as uh, you as know, Batman as Batman in the uh, <laughs> in the Michael Keaton Batman suit. Doing the full thing, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is great. And then right after that, just because of the buzz that got, I think they were like, we need to do this movie. And I'm so glad they did it. And so far, all of the casting choices, I'm like, I can be down with this. Michael Sarah, uh, voicing Robin, Zach Galifianakis as the Joker is, I think, might be worth the price of admission. Yeah, <clears throat> it's gonna. I mean, all we know is it's going to be purely ridiculous. And honestly, my, I think all of us agree. Our one of our favorite jokes in this trailer is Robin getting his costume. <laughs> Uh, and I'm not going to say any more because if you haven't seen this trailer yet, just, just go watch the third Lego Batman trailer because it's just wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. so stupid and wonderful. It's really good. And I love the fact that, you, again, you mentioned music in in, in uh, videos. Uh, Wiz Khalifa, Black and Yellow is a great song choice for this <laughs> for this video, too. I think it's fantastic. 
So, but um, all these trailers are obviously available online. You can go to YouTube and just search for any of them, and you might not even have to search for them. They might be all right there on the homepage of YouTube at this point because yeah. they're all getting viewed so much. And honestly, too, you know, while you're there, watch the other two Warner Brothers big trailers: the the Charlie Hunnam King Arthur Legend of the Sword, which from Guy Ritchie, which looks super awesome, looks great. And uh, the first real trailer for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Like, um, so yeah, Warner Brothers came out swinging, man, at Comic Con this year. Absolutely yes. swinging. Yes, they certainly did. Uh, but let's switch things up. Uh, we spent a lot of time on on film, and but I'm fine with that. But we have to, of course. Every week we talk about the television shows, and there's a lot of news that came out this week about the uh, obviously Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, so let's dive into that a little bit. And obviously, we got sizzle reels for those shows as well. Did we get a Supergirl sizzle reel? Because I didn't see that one. No, and there was a very kind of minute one for Legends that's almost not even worth mentioning. There was maybe like five or six new shots done. Every, yeah, everything like else they, was from they, season they, one. I think when. Um, I think when IGN, they had uh, Jesse L. Martin, Tom Cavanaugh, and Grant Gustin. They said they're only a week and a half into filming The Flash. So I would assume they're maybe two, three days into Legends. Yeah, and, and Legends still hasn't even cast some of the new characters right. that are that are going to yeah. be coming in. So, uh, yeah, so the, this is a real made a little bit of sense that we didn't really get to see a lot. The only thing we really saw was we got to see the Wave Rider and more chairs. Yes. So obviously, more chairs. More chairs, more chairs. More chairs is good. More chairs. <laughs> Legends of tomorrow. Chairs. More chairs. More chairs. <laughs> that's the tagline for season. <laughs> yeah, that's justice the... <laughs> society of chairs. <laughs> you uh, need justice. We've got seats. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't hear a lot of news out of Supergirl. One or two little tidbits. So I guess since that's usually the first show of the week, let's start with Supergirl. Um, and I think we're going to kind of mix in uh, DC news along with this discussion. Um, cause otherwise That's the, the new segment at the end of this podcast is just going to be outrageous. Well, pretty much, you know, there's only a couple tiny little bits that aren't even tied to this stuff. So we'll get all that stuff together and then there'll be like three pieces to talk about at the very end. Yeah. So. Um, but obviously we got a little more casting news that came out of Supergirl. Rob, I know you have that with, um, we get the casting of Mon-El. Yeah, Chris uh, Wood. Um, when TJ was on during the Super uh, Super Annual, one of his predictions was that in that pod was going to be Monel, and it looks like TJ was very right. Uh, that to rem- uh, remind everybody, uh, Monel is uh, tied to the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, he's been on also the Justice League, and there's another team I want to say he's appeared on briefly. But uh, Monel is a Daxamite, so they're very very similar to Kryptonians, but not quite. Uh, instead of being um, impervious well well, aside from being impervious um kryptonite does nothing to them but lead does lead kills them um so kind of a little flip on that so it's kind of something interesting but monel has always been a very unique and interesting character so i think it's a really welcomed addition um i know right now they're saying it is not officially confirmed but it's pretty much all but confirmed that's who chris wood is indeed playing i know some people were speculating that he was going to be playing how jordan or somebody like this but uh it sounds like we are confirmed at this point that uh, it is um, pretty much mono. So good call. And they're still waiting to cast his arch nemesis, Pencil Man. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. And Pencil Man number two. Pencil Man number two. <laughs> <laughs> the Reckoning. Well, uh, I mean, doesn't he have a sidekick, Mechanical Pencil Man? <laughs> uh, he, he he goes by Graphene now. Oh, let's be honest. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, I like the idea of him being cast as Monel and Monel being in the pod as well. I mean, I like uh, while it would be cool to see Hal Jordan or something show up, I think Monel is better towards the Supergirl mythos. Um, so I like the idea that this is the, the direction that they're going. And I'm very happy that it's not um, crypto or. Um, what the streaky. hell is streaky? Yeah, streaky. This I still want streaky the supercat. <laughs> Maybe if I don't get that by the end of season two, we're canceling this entire series of podcasts. It's all done. Um, streaky or bust. <laughs> you need bumper stickers. Well, I, and that's one thing I give credit to Supergirl is is the, for those that love it or those that hate it. I, I it seems like to me just what what got me is the risks they take with character choices, like the fact that we got Martian Manhunter. Still, like, because I was, like, wondering where the show was going to go. Was I going to be interested in it? And all of a sudden, boom, I see the full change of, you know, John Jones. And I was like, I was like, okay, I would never have predicted that at the time to really kind of take take that leap. And it, they seem <laughs> they've taken a lot of leaps to really kind of say, you know what, we're going to go for it. And I give them credit for that. that they're, they're taking some characters that a lot of people might not really know, or, like, at least the casual comic book fan might not know. Or might not think could be on screen and just going for it. And I give that I give the show credit for doing that. Yeah, I mean, one of the other things, too, is, you know, they're going to play with the other shows on CW a little bit. But I think it's going to be a lot less than a lot of people want. Um, because in all honesty, with any threat they're going up against, now look at Supergirl's team. You have Martian Manhunter, Tyler Hodgman playing Superman, Chris Woods as Monel, and Kara Zor-El. You've got four really, really strong powerhouse characters. Like Martian Manhunter, they always said, is as strong as Superman, if not stronger. Mm-hmm. Now you add basically the equivalent of another Kryptonian and something that's practically a Kryptonian. So anything that they face in a crossover, like, well, that's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damien Dark in orbit. <laughs> uh, I mean, and they also said, too, that, I mean... Uh, they they recently said over over the course of the weekend that filming hasn't started yet for Supergirl, so we don't have any confirmations, obviously, for any of that, <clears throat> um, for you know any of these roles that we saw. Uh, but they did say that we <clears throat> one of the di- things that they did say, excuse me, that is that we are going to see Kara and Superman butt heads a little bit in their uh, style of fighting evil. So uh, that'll be an interesting dynamic to see as well, to see those two kind of uh, maybe not physically fight. I don't think we're going to see that. It'd be interesting. Uh, But at least like emotionally, like the way family squabbles, this is the way we're going to see that as well between them and those two. And I know the the joke teaser that they that they tried to pull uh, was like articles that were out there were like, you're going to get to see Supergirl earlier than you expected. It's like we're just replaying season one for you on the season. <laughs> and I was like, and then it was a, it was a nice little ploy, but I think it's a smart idea to kind of refresh people now since it's moved. Now refresh the fans that might not have gone over now that 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 they you know people kind of just stick to their channels and kind of get a refresher and get that ready and set for season two. Well, yeah, because there might have been people that when you know when it was on CBS didn't give it a shot, and now that it's been moved over to CW. People will be like, you know what? I, I, I'm going to check this show out now. All right, we're going to replay all of season one for you. So that's that's what they're doing. And that probably gives them a good buffer zone, I guess. If they haven't begun filming, that kind of gives that that little extra buffer to kind of get things ready. Well, they're they're um, coming out the week after Flash is episode one, so it's still October. There, it's it's like I said, we know it's Flash and Arrow. Uh, so on the fourth and fifth following week, that Monday is uh, Supergirl, then Flash, Arrow, and Legends. So. I mean, they're all coming up 
close to each other. So I would assume no later than mid-August will they start at least filming the first few episodes because I'm sure we do know that Superman's supposed to be in the first two episodes, yeah. like definitely in the show. So I'm sure maybe some of the things they're doing right now are the practical effects work prepping for that. Um, and especially now that they're doing CW, it makes you wonder who's stepping in to help them with those effects. I'm hoping it's some of the people in the Flash team because uh, they're pretty much gods at doing what they do, especially for TV. We're the only uh, ones ever handling metahuman power, so. Yeah. I will tell you the one biggest curiosity I have going into Supergirl Season 2, though, is where is John Berriman going to play? Because we do know that his deal is with all four CW shows. So where is his involvement in Season 2? Are we going to see an Earth 3 or Earth 4 version of well, let's, Malcolm let, Merlin? Let's wait to touch on that until we hit Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. So... All right, that works. For I me. think it's going to be Jack, uh, Captain Jack Harkness. I think. That oh God, that would be fantastic. <laughs> he's oh. like Jimmy. You're kind of cute. So are you, Farah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm cool. Let's just do this. <laughs> I, I, I have to break off on a tangent for a second. But did any of you guys watch the stuff that Barryman did at Comic Con this year? I just saw a particular picture that was tweeted out. There's um, been a number of pictures tweeted out. I haven't seen anything, so I, I was busy yesterday. Uh, thir- you know how a lot of these guys like to go like cosplay and a majority of them put on masks so that they can't be recognized. Yep. Um, Thursday, the first day of Comic-Con, John Berriman went around wearing a Kylo Ren mask and a dress. Um, which is very typical John Berriman for anybody who knows him, like his character outside of television. He's just very flamboyant. And obviously that's the kind of person when you see this person skipping up and down the sidewalk, dancing with a lightsaber, you look at and be like, okay, I'm not going to go anywhere close to this person because they're kind of, you know, weird. Uh, but there was another, he cosplayed as Zap another day. He cosplayed as Harley Quinn another day. So, um, Oh, did you miss the one? Did you miss the one? You might have missed the one I saw. Which was? The lovely photo of him as Squirrel Girl. Oh, I did see that one. <laughs> and <laughs> I have to say, the tail was impeccable. Yes. The tail was I, impeccable. I will have to take a look at this when we finish wrap, and, uh, wrapping up today. And a nice little pose. The nice little like arm pose, leg up, like a uh, dancing unicorn as uh, Squirrel Girl was pretty yes. good. Yes. Uh, John Barrowman was doubly named the king of cosplay for San Diego Comic-Con this year. And oh, easy. Well-deserved. Uh, but let's move on to obviously the next show usually of the week is Arrow. Uh, no. No. Oh, Flash. Uh, you're right. Uh, I, I got my days uh, confused. I was I was doing the whole save the best for last thing again. Um, but no, there's a lot of a lot of our listeners are, are huge fans of Arrow. So we don't want to skip over that. But, yeah, let's do let's talk Flash. Um, a lot of we got a, a sizzle reel, obviously, out of Flash this year. Uh, promo for season two or season three. And, man, let me tell you, if I wasn't already excited for October, I really can't wait for October now. I really can't. That sizzle reel was fantastic. And for the little amount of shooting that they've done um, for season three, uh, you know, the only the couple weeks that they're into, they gave us a lot. Um, But it also helps solidify my uh, my prediction that Flashpoint is not going to go that long into season three. No, and they actually even came out and said that yesterday. Yes. So, um, yeah, we got um, we got news from. I know there was an interview with IGN that Grant Gustin, uh, Jesse L. Martin, not Jesse Owens, um, 
and um, Tom Cavanaugh had in which they said, do not expect Flashpoint to go that far into season three. And we were kind of suspecting that, at least I was, uh, when we did our Flash annual, that it probably wasn't going to last that long. Yeah, my guess is you're going to see three episodes, maybe. You so. think it's only going to be three? I, I would probably give it like four or five, but I could be wrong. No, I mean, they said they I mean, they even said this is not going to go nearly as long as fans expect. Yeah. And I mean, and the way that they brought it, it sounded like this could even be as short as two episodes because you got to remember, like, let's go over the, some of the bullet points really fast about what we know of Flashpoint from San Diego Comic-Con. So we do know right off the bat, uh, Flash, uh, Flashpoint is going to affect other CWDC shows. Um, and, which they denied at first. Which they did deny at first, yes. but then they did say officially at San Diego Comic-Con that is true. Grant, when he was on stage, said he does know of a very subtle one in Arrow, but that's he only knows of one. So I would assume this is the Flashpoint changes that are going to happen after they're out of Flashpoint, is what's going to impact the universe the rest of the way. Um, you know, Flashpoint could just be one episode that tweaks everything else from the other shows because yeah, could, they're in a tied universe. So yeah, it's very did, possible Flashpoint's going to be a one and done and work out. Yeah, because they so, did. Uh, Grant Gustin did say that even though Flashpoint's not going to last as long as people think, it is going to have repercussions throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, it's like New 52. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so we do know also that season three picks up exactly one year after the end of season two. So he, Barry has been in the Flashpoint universe for one for the one year at this point. Um, we also know he's getting advice from another speedster on navigating the timeline. My guess is reverse Flash. We saw him in that trailer uh, locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would assume that's the one telling him what not to screw up and what to do because reverse Flash loves to screw with him. And ultimately... Once he gets free, he can get back to the timeline he belongs into. Seems fitting the way that we've seen the two of them have the relationship back and forth. Whether it's uh, the Matt Lettner uh, version of the character or the Tom Cavanaugh one where they're like, no, 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 we have to get back to this point. If not, everything's jacked up. So I can see him being kind of a, a mentor, but an asshole-ish mentor. Well, because he's always been a character. It's like, I love you, but I want to kill you. you know? Right. Um, you know, we do know for a fact, and I know, Ben, you were speculating with somebody else online and... Got a little bit of guff uh, <laughs> as far as the timeline and how, how things <laughs> operate and work. And yeah. you were correct. Uh, you were correct. I was correct on that where we do know Wally is straight up the Flash. Yes. Barry was not the Flash. Yep. So they said they're doing exactly what the hell they want to. And I'm happy that that's what they're doing. Um, so Wally is the Flash. Barry still works at CCPD. Um, you know, Joe's relationship with all the characters is pretty much non-existent. Like he knows that um, him and Wally have a relationship. He has no idea that Wally is the Flash. Uh, Barry uh, is not really friends with Iris or Joe. Um, Joe doesn't know Caitlin or Cisco or anybody like that. Uh, we don't know what even happened to Tom Cavanaugh's Harrison Wells. We do know Cisco Ramon instead of Star Labs is Ramon Industries. We didn't even see, even see Caitlin in anything. So there's a lot of little things happening here. And we do know from Grant Gustin that he has no knowledge about this season if he's doing any filming work with Taylor Hodgson, Superman. So... He says, as far as he knows, that's not in the cards at all. So, but it is so possible. But those are kind of like some of the bigger points that we did get from this. Uh, in addition to the villain, we got to see two two villains, sort of. Uh, we did see uh, what looked like another speedster. Uh, it was kind of hard to tell who that was. Uh, very much not Dr. Alchemy, who we do know was teased as the big bad. We do know this season's going to be Dr. Alchemy and an unknown speedster as the big bads for this season. So... Uh, they really kind of came out right off the bat and said, this is what's going on. And there's some apparent rumblings that Aquaman could potentially appear in Flashpoint. So 
Um, the, the screenshots that I saw of the, uh, the of the additional speedster look very much to me like Black Flash. Um, I could be wrong because it's a very dark, almost flashish, flash-ish costume. So I don't want to know for sure if that's who it is. And I, again, I, I saw this screenshot simply in passing. I didn't stop to stare at it. But from what I saw, it looked like it could potentially be Black Flash, which we did technically see almost set up in the last season and in the end of the last season. Well, the, the, some of the pictures, though, if you, I, I got a chance to look at them online and it's it's a little bit different, like the the mask. It's got it's these kind of wide, kind of callish. Yeah, it's almost callish. He, I, 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 he I, almost, I don't think so. He almost looks. He almost has got ears. Le- <laughs> it's like Deflator Mouse from the Tick. Uh, yeah, he did. <laughs> so I was kind of like, part of me is like, okay, I and, love the, I and, love the show so much. I love everything about this. This is the one time I was like, what? Well, it's a little silly. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's not who that is. Yeah. When I saw him, he looked familiar as a Flash Rogue, like a C or D lister. And I can't place it, but it's definitely not Black Flash. Black Flash looks exactly how he looks at the end of season two. That is a torn mask, zombie-esque skeleton wearing a straight-up costume that looks like the Flash, except black with the red. So um, the fact that they were so true, I don't think they're going to make a drastic change, like this weird full-body rubber thing with a giant lightning bolt. So, And I heard, I just, I did hear a rumor too, that even though like, cause they're obviously they're just started filming, which I have to admit, uh, as you said, Ben, like what an incredible, what an amazing, so did you say Rob, but with sizzle reel, that was so much footage being so like little into filming. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty crazy that I think that that guy is going to be like a one episode dude. Like it's just, they're, they're having it. It's like, they're just, they wanted to like show Wally in action against somebody. That would make real sense. Quick. Yeah. And I, that's what I had heard that he's not, that, that he, he might just look ridiculous. Cause he might just be like, here's like a, a stock villain just to show him like fighting another meta. And then like, that's when like Barry sees him like, Oh crap. Like, yeah. well, I was like, Oh wow. You know, he's in, he's in, he's in full action as the flash yeah. uh, for the side of Wally. So I think that it might not be anything. I think just because it's such an outlandish costume, and that we've got set photos, and I think that's why everyone's like, "Ooh, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Who might this be?" And I think at the end of the day, I think I, I kind of I'm leaning towards the fact that it might just be like, "Here's someone from episode one that's just showing Wally fighting a meta." Either that or my thought process: if it is another speedster, I wouldn't be surprised to see that maybe potentially being a redesign of the rival, which was Jay Garrick's nemesis. Um, okay. They could maybe go in that direction. So I'm not quite sure, but it. We at least do know that Dr. Alchemy, which I think is a great choice for the big bad for the season. He was a great villain for the Flash and a very notable rogue. I just hope that we once we see Wally in action as Kid Flash and then everything reverts back after Flashpoint that we don't get another. Like if he's that great as Kid Flash, I hope we just don't go the rest of the season without Wally as as a speedster again. Yeah, you know, because before Flashpoint, obviously, we saw him hit with the Speed Force, but we never saw it develop in anything. So if everything reverts back after Flashpoint, um, you know, are we are we going to see Wally become Kid Flash? Uh, we have hopefully. to remember when Flashpoint does happen, uh, the timeline goes back, but not totally. There's yeah. drastic changes still along the line. So you can still see maybe that's like him still being that. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Yeah, it would. So I'm I'm excited. I'm super super excited for Flash to return. Uh, so I can't I can't wait. It's been definitely one of the biggest surprises when I first started watching it, and then I just can't stop watching it. No. It's just been such a fun show with the way it's done. Although I'm still 
still hunting for some mirror master action. Mm. Still, <laughs> still, that's been. Uh, it's I, so I know that was the t- that was a possible talk for this season. Possible. It's, what about the top? I want the top. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been able to look at the top correctly since the animated Flashpoint movie. When the top goes, you're on. Like I'm on top, you're the bottom, or something. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not gonna get that that quote out of my head ever when I see him ever again. I, I think we'll see Mirror Master this season, though. I'm so excited. So. I'm so excited that you brought up Mirror Master too, because that goes into my recommendations towards the end of the podcast. But um, <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, so now we can move on to Arrow and obviously we got, um, some news out of Arrow as well, as well as a, another sizzle reel, which Flash's sizzle reel was, was fantastic. I mean, we got so much out of it and we did get s- some new footage out of the Arrow sizzle reel. But it kind of left you with, eh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't want that to seem like to our listeners, you no, know, no. I, we have listeners that are, are much bigger fans of Arrow than Flash and personally, like I, I, I don't see how that's possible, but sorry. Um, but but I don't, thinks you're all wrong. You're wrong. No, I'm not saying you're wrong at all. Different, you know, different strokes for different folks. So we're big fans of Arrow still, even to this day. So um, even through its missteps that we, that we felt it's taken. Uh, but I'm still excited for this fifth season, though. Um, I am too. It feels like they could do something really special here, building a new team and then having the old team kind of come back and filter in. Yeah. And- it gives you a, an ability to do something fun. The other thing, the one part about the sizzle reel that made everybody just kind of like, uh, really, you you think it's a, it's smart to put your flashbacks in the sizzle reel? I, I would have not <laughs> done that. Let's just trim that back. <laughs> so, well, but I mean, speaking of flashbacks, obviously one of the points that came out of uh, came out of Comic Con this weekend, and we saved it for Arrow more specifically because this actress is from. Arrow, uh, is the fact that Katie Cassidy has been signed to a new deal with CW and Warner Brothers and DC Television, not just across Arrow, but she's also going to be she's going to be returning to Arrow, returning to Flash, and she's going to be on Legends of Tomorrow. So we know through Legends of Tomorrow, obviously, it's going to be a past version of Laurel Lance. We know from Flash she's going to be returning as Black Siren. Uh, But Arrow, her role is still a little bit of a mystery because Guggenheim actually has been quoted in saying that Laura Lance is still dead. Um, So it's most likely we're going to be seeing Laura Lance in flashbacks as part part of the flashbacks this time around. So I'll be interested to see how they're going to do that. Maybe that's the subtle change from Flashpoint. Nope, not dead. Nope. No. (laughs) No, Guggenheim has come out and said that present day Laura Lance is still dead. Uncle Googie's like, I'm not fixing my mistakes. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna talk to everybody on this wonderful, wonderful Daredevil Reddit thread. <laughs> you know what though? I mean, you you guys argue and and say, and I know uh, Laura Lance's death was a big point of contention for a lot of people. There's a ton of people I've read, uh, uh, you know, I've I've read comments for saying no, no, uh, no canary, no arrow. You know, which is their big thing now. They're not going to watch until, you know, because Katie Carey, uh, Katie Cassidy was killed off. Um, but I mean, in the same thing, in the same interview that I read when he said, you know, that Laurel Lance is, is still dead. Um, he makes a good point. And I'll, I'm going to read this to you verbatim. Um, 
uh, somebody had quoted him saying that uh, had said to him, "Killing Laura Lance was the right call. It was the only call. It had a huge impact on all three shows. It paid off the build-up season four promised. It launched Sarah's White Canary journey, just like Tommy's death launched the Arrows. Laurel's death will launch Green Arrow." Um, and to that, he actually agreed. Yes, that was what we were going for with the death of Laura Lance. So it, it does make sense to the story. And I know a lot of people still don't like the fact that they killed her off. Yeah. But, you know, you, you got to understand, you got to put the understanding behind it as to why he did it. I know. I mean, I, I do. I do agree with some of his points. I think it's it comes at a really interesting time. The fact that they said she's a season regular, um, the same way that Wentworth Miller and John Berriman are going to be as well, that have these, the same contract. Um, and more specifically for the fact that DC and Rebirth kind of righted that stuff a little bit and said, oh, you know, a lot of fans were really angry that Canary and Arrow worked together and we need to fix this really badly. And they're doing it in the comic books now. Um, and trying to have parity between your shows and your books is very, very important. Um, especially now because with Rebirth, that the whole purpose of that was to make sure fans stayed fans because their shelves dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped and Marvel's weren't, weren't doing great, but they were still coming out on top. And now DC's back to where it needs to be. But you see Marvel do that with their comics and their movies is as much parody as possible is very important. Um, and it makes you wonder how involved DC creative was in that decision though, because of what they were planning on fixing uh, in the books. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to go. Cause you did see a lot of TV show bleed. Uh, into the books with the new 52 and now they're writing a lot of that stuff and pushing that stuff away so it's like are they trying to step away and say this is its own thing this is their own thing like they have been but there's been a lot more close connections like diggle and felicity being in the arrow book and new 52 now they're writing them out and you're wondering what what's going on there so i think yeah. it seems like there's more of an acceptance now and it's actually i think tied to the flash and this this is just a, a, a what i kind of viewed as sort of a theory you know, before um, anything that was involved in the movies was not permitted on the television. On television, that's why you know they killed off Deadshot on Arrow. Uh, why <clears throat> they weren't going to let Superman be on any of the shows? Like why? Why like for a while, Supergirl? They said, "Oh no, you're just getting these little appearances to so get like the Spec Man just coming <laughs> through your screen real quick." You know, the CG. You see that CGI dot over to the far left? That's Superman flying away. Yeah. Um, or here's a text message. You know, they they yeah. were saying like you're never going to see them here. But now it seems they're kind of given, and I, I'm probably too tied to Jeff Johns, with the Flash and establishing the multiverse is giving them like sort of like the get out of jail free card. Where it's like the comic universe is here and the TV show universe is here and the movie is over here. And then here's Powerless in some weird little bastard corner by itself. Yeah, and um, the, it's allowing them to now go up, I guess, to explain in, I guess, layman's terms to the brass. Like, no, you see, people aren't going to think it's the same thing because it's different universes and we've established that now and it kind of gives them a little more creative freedom with both sides of that coin yeah yeah um yeah so i mean it's i don't know i it, it's very i'm very curious to see where they're going to use uh katie cassidy throughout arrow because you know again he had mentioned that um she will not be part of um any present day storylines on arrow that makes sense so mm -hmm. yeah uh, we did get a little bit of casting news that came out of Arrow. We have some new um, new characters coming in. We got to see uh, Gina, Joe Dinicole from Blindspot has been cast as a reoccurring role on Arrow as Ragman. 
which will be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, uh, Rory Reagan. Uh, I'm really, really curious to see, specifically because he was uh, on the old Shadow Pack team, uh, which if any of you go back and remember, uh, oh my god, Infinite Crisis. Uh, it was the little tie-in lead-in books, and he was one of those big uh, big factors in Shadow Pack. So all i got to say is we're one step closer to Detective Chimp. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's cross that boundary. Streaky the Supercat and Detective Chimp 2016, oh, 2017 seasons. That'll just be when Grodd finally reappears from his uh, from his ape uh, ape country, you know, where he was oh, exiled. Dude, that would be awesome. <laughs> City. It's like, welcome to Gorilla City. And Detective Chimp's like, they ousted me. I don't get it. Yeah. And then it's him Sherlock Holmesing his way back in for the rest of the episode. And I hope he has no flash like... characters whatsoever in that episode. Does Detective Chimp. Oh, I was going to say, just have like this gruff chimp voice be like, Barry Allen, Detective Chimp. It would almost be like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern or Dead kind of episode. Yeah. Where it would be amazing. Detective Chimp this. is the lead character, and all the stuff flash-wise is just happening in the background. You just happen to see Barry run past at some point while he's doing all this investigation. But that would be fantastic. So, it's nice, because like with Ragman, though, we got that Mystical is still coming back in this season. I mean, and they said this season's going to be a little bit more grounded, but throwing somebody like Ragman, that's out the window really fast. Yeah. He's a very awesome, fun, unique character. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think you have some additional casting news for... Uh, not really casting news, but we do know that... Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the actor's name. Chad Cole? Chad, Col- Chad Coleman, yeah. Chad Coleman. Formerly of uh, the Jesse Walking Owens? Dead. What's that? Jesse Owens? Jesse Owens, yeah. <laughs> he's an so Olympic... Chad Coleman is that's uh, playing the big bad. Uh, he's playing the character Prometheus, but bear in mind this is a new Prometheus. It's no ties to the Grant Morrison created character from years ago. Uh, I know there's been in DC World there's been several villains named Prometheus, so but this is a new one um, and apparently a very grounded character. We're not really quite sure at the end of that sizzle reel if that's who that was. Honestly, that voice that came out of that character, I'm pretty sure at the end of that trailer that was Ragman. Um, the way they did it, there was it looked like there was an easy earlier shot in that sizzle reel where we saw a, a side shot of him pushing somebody up against a wall. Like it looks like he was capturing a vigil, like you know, some thug or something like that. And it looked like that was the costume. So, um, so it doesn't look like we got any shots of the big bad, but we do know uh, Prometheus is the the villain's name. And uh, the hundredth episode for Arrow, so congrats to them, is going to be taking place during the crossover event. So that's a cool. that's a big way to go. That's a yeah. big way to celebrate your hundredth. Yeah. So, uh, anything else for Arrow that we're forgetting before we move on to Legends? I believe that is it. Uh, all right. So, finally, with the television stuff, obviously, we had Legends of Tomorrow in which we did get some. We did get a sizzle reel, but, uh, you know, as we had mentioned, there really wasn't much from it. It was a lot of uh, clips from season one with maybe one or two or three new clips. It was like from- the Rex Tyler interaction scenes with primarily you know uh heat wave and that was it yeah uh and the, the only thing new that we saw obviously was we saw more chairs added to the wave rider <laughs> which means a bigger cast uh of people that are going to be a bigger cast of legends that are going to be traveling on the wave rider and on that note uh we did get quite a bit of new of uh new characters revealed not casting yet because they still haven't cast these characters um but uh, I'll start with the legend side, and then Rob, I'll let you go over to the other side of it, which is also Happily. big news. That's Happily. why I, le- I figured I'd leave it to you. 
Uh, but obviously the cast and producers revealed that several new heroes and villains will be joining for the second season. Uh, we're going to see Rex Tyler, played by Patrick J. Adams from Suits, going to be coming over and playing Our Man. Uh, it was the first member of Justice Society of America to appear on the show. Uh, but other members that are going to be brought into, still need to be cast, are Obsidian, Stargirl, and Dr. Midnight, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, no mention so. of um, John Wesley Shipp, though, so I'm kind of hoping that they write that before the, sh- the season starts. Yeah, I, I, I want to see him in it. Uh, so. And I think we did know what epi- title of episode two for this season is the Justice Society of America. So, Oh, God, John Wesley Shipp has to be a part of that. I, I would assume so. He has to be. Well, moving on to the other side. I'll leave this to you because I know <laughs> I'm very, very excited. excited. You're as excited as I am, but I, um, I, I'll so leave it to you. How do you, how do you have a TV show where you have, you know, a team of heroes for the first time. And just going up against one person like Vandal Savage was a massive misstep, and I think we all agreed on that. Um, mm. And the Hawks was a massive misstep. And it seemed like they're fixing every issue I had with the show, which I still loved, um, by saying, well, if it's if it's a team of heroes, they should be facing a team of villains. And they said, we really love Challenge of the Super Friends. So how about we do Legion of Doom? And they're like, well, what characters are we going to use? And this is what we got, and it's, I'm excited so we know Malcolm Merlin, Damian Dark, Reverse Flash, and wait for it, Captain Cold <laughs> are our big bads for the season, which is fucking awesome. Yes. I, I'm so excited about this. Oh, you I get can't. to hear his cold tone. <laughs> Actually, that was pretty good. Uh, I I like that idea of of bringing him back just because. Really, I, I, I was up and down with, with Legends of Tomorrow. I There were some episodes I loved. Some I was like, this is terrible. and and But by the end of it, the part that I loved the most was Rory going to the bar. Yeah. And and going into letting the scene. Like, I'm like, I'm like, my God. I'm like, all right, we're, we're pulling some heartstrings here. And he, to me, I thought out of all the characters, had such a great arc because he was this one-note character that ended up having this really detailed breakdown by the end like this really like like, i think as far as growth is concerned he went from like i like fire to now this whole like (laughs) emotional like i lost my friend scene like my brother a guy was like my brother and they had this so i think it's going to be really interesting mental play when they now see him and not like realizing that and realizing who the team is and now being a villain i think that's a smart decision yeah. yeah, I mean, and when we did our Legends of Tomorrow um, annual, that was one of my favorite moments of that entire season was that moment with with Rory and um, <clears throat> uh, with Mick and um, Snart in, in the bar. Absolutely. I thought, I thought that was one of my favorite moments. Um, I just I want to say, though, if we're bringing in the Legion of Doom just once, I don't care if it's just a small little nod. I just want to hear Meanwhile at the Hall of Doom. Just one time. Honestly, all they need to do, though, too, <clears throat> their base, Louisiana Swamp, somewhere. And that's it. It can just <laughs> yeah. be like a little crack shack at this time, but it's still a nod. <clears throat> Meanwhile, at the Hall of Doom. Well, I figure maybe, like, if there's any kind of crossover episode, I feel like that's like a Cisco line. <laughs> I, I really feel that that's a Cisco line, that it, that it should be like, we're like, where are they hiding? Meanwhile, at the Hall of Doom. Like, he just seems <laughs> like he would be the only character out of any of the shows that could nail that line. And it not seem thrown in there. Yes, I, I totally agree with that too. He's the one that so, could pull it off. For you guys, is there any other villains we've seen from the, these shows that we would like to see added into this roster? Um, that here villains that we've already seen. Yeah. Um, 
I I don't know. Um, I love the I love the addition of Damian Dark. I'm glad that we're getting away <clears throat> getting away from Vandal Savage. Um, obviously, because that was done last season, so you're not going to bring him back and and do it again. Um, maybe, possibly, Gorilla Grodd, if he were to return from Gorilla City. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's what everyone's waiting with bated breath with where where Grodd is going to eventually come back because he, and- he he's led <laughs> multiple legions of dooms before. Like they did that in the animated series for for Christ's sake. Like yeah. he was the one that pulled together I think one of the main teams the in the final seasons of Justice League. Yeah. Um, so I would I would love to see him added in. I'm really actually kind of sad that uh, Manuel Bennett's not in here. No Deathstroke. Uh, that was going to be the fat was going to be the name I was going to say. It's going to be absolutely the name I was going to say. What about? I mean, I know this is a completely different universe because of the multiverse, but uh, what about Toy Man? Because Toy Man was originally a Legion of Doom member as well. I mean, and we do know that Toy Man exists in the Supergirl universe. But we still don't know how, how much they're going to be tied yet to everything. It, well, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know if it's something I mean, that we could. If we had a, a, if we wanted to have some fun in a loose cannon, I mean, there's no way they'd ever be able to get him this long in the season. But Mark Hamill's trickster would would have been fun to see in this mix of all of these really stuck up, like pompous assholes. <laughs> and then you have Mark Hamill's trickster. Mm-hmm. That would just be fun to watch. That'd be uh, yeah, I think that'd be that'd be inter- an entertaining one because I, I loved well, yeah, I loved they, when they brought him back. I thought that was a great nod. Um, but the fact that he is that kind of like off the cuff, but still brilliantly devious. Yeah. That he's still on par as far as intelligence with all of those characters yet, but still just completely more off the wall out of his mind. That would be, that would be a fun one. I mean, another one, another one too, like, uh, you're staying in the, again, it's, it's not going to happen because we don't know how they're tied in and it's, it's still the Supergirl universe, but Maxwell Lord could be the perfect stand in for Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah, and he was one. He was probably something I thought would develop a little bit more. I think they got they got really got away from him. I'm curious. I'm curious to see where where he'll fit in in season two. Because I mean, we have Lena Luthor coming in too, which is another classic comic character. So yeah, I'm really curious if maybe the two of them pair up and we see kind of you know them be kind of become the equivalent of an actual Luthor Luthor type by Mm -hmm. the end of things. Um, So yeah, curious. Yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't. I don't really know because everybody else that I can think of from the from the Legion of Doom is uh, either a Superman character or a Wonder Woman character or Aquaman or um, or uh, or Batman. Which unless we they get guns, well, I mean, they already have Reverse Flash. I'm thinking like if they already have Reverse Flash and Captain Cold, just want to throw Killer Frost in there too. I mean, there's been more than one uh, Frost powered villain at once teamed up before. Why not just throw it together and even put her in? Because she was they could have like expanded her a lot more and made her a little bit more. I mean, yeah, I think we'll see sure. them play around with that a- aspect. I think maybe you'll see Lisa Snart come in, Golden Glider, every mm-hmm. once in a blue moon. Uh, and I'm sure that it gives them the ability to have like the BC list uh, villains thrown in as kind of pseudo henchmen working with them mm-hmm. that maybe unfolds the bigger plot. And I think that would be a fun way to do it. Like give us those one off episodes of where. They take down this dumb, stupid threat that means nothing, blah, blah, blah. And then who's behind it? And this is a good way to say who the villain is in that that um, mid-season crossover. You're taking two of the biggest villains from each Arrow and Flash and saying, this is what we're up against, uh, the Legion of Superheroes, and the Legends are the ones that have to clean up the mess because everybody else is dealing with their current threat. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a cool way that could work. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you one person I would like to see become a member of the Legion of Doom uh, and it's only because this person has been rumored that we might see them because uh, we, we heard the rumor, obviously, of Cody Rhodes joining the cast of Arrow. 
um, now that with his friendship with Stephen Amell. Uh, and one of the rumored characters that he might be playing is the Sportsmaster. Oh, that would so, work. Uh, yeah, well, that, that, that fits more into the uh, Artemis character, though. And I would assume that actually makes a lot of sense since we do know um, um, Artemis is indeed going to be uh, in this season because that was who played that Black Canary version 3 for that one episode during the the funeral episode for Laurel, mm-hmm. um, that she's taking the role of Artemis. And if you've ever watched Young Justice, the Sportsmaster character type was the Sportsmaster was her father. So mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense for him to be there as a recurring character. And I think that would work great. I would love to see that. Yeah. But I mean, I, he's a little bit more like when you hear the name and you see it, it's just like, <laughs> this is just a third rate Casey Jones. And you're like, <laughs> Pretty not much. quite sure. I mean, the character's been around for a long time, but I think that's the better way to do it is leave him in Arrow. I don't know if he kind of fits in the mix for against names like Malcolm Merlin and Damien Dark and well, Flash I, and all that. I think, too, just base, too, he's kind of more of an uh, an assassin type. He's kind yeah. of more, I mean, and people can say that about Destro, but Destro's more of a, like, he's he's led armies. I feel like... The, he's Destro-like, kind of. Yeah, I, I feel like... He's like, the Splenda of assassins. <laughs> <laughs> Deathstroke Splenda. So. All, the, all the weaponry, but half the uh, responsibility. <laughs> But yeah, so I think it's it's a cool thought. But I think yeah, I think strictly him and Arrow, I would like to see. I think that would be cool to see him as sort of a bad guy, a, a, a nice foil on Arrow for a couple of episodes. But as far as like going up to that level, I don't know if he's there. Yeah. Well, who knows? Who knows how it'll play out after this? So, um, anything else for Legends that we're? Nope, that's really kind of it. There's this kind of cleanup on a couple of news things, and I think we're we got to do one thing we didn't do with Bridge that we haven't done yet. Uh, yes. So we'll do that now before we dive into the cleanup. Uh, so, Rich, every time we have somebody on the show, we usually start with this is what is your favorite comic book character? Batman. Batman. Can you tell us why he's your favorite? Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. And, and oddly enough, I got asked this question by one of my sketch team members because we were talking about heroes because I have the uh, the bat symbol on my wedding ring. Which I think is awesome, by the way. I got to see that a couple weeks ago. and I think <laughs> It's my great. little subtle etching that's on there. But I, I don't know. It's a character I latched onto when I was like probably like three, four years old watching the Adam West series. And me and my dad would sit down and watch the Adam West. And it was a lot of fun. I loved like the gadgets, the Batmobile. Like I just wanted to slide down the bat pole. I just wanted to like slide down and like be like, boom, I'm a superhero now. And got like the instant costume stuff. And it was a lot of fun with the series. And as I grew up, I started getting into um, reading some of the some of the storylines of the comics, like uh, stuff like uh, but even like more of the darker stuff like, you know, uh, you know, when Ra- the death of Robin, we we'll watch some of that. The uh, I uh, long Halloween, some of uh, the whole Nightfall, reading all through Nightfall, and just slowly getting into that. And then, of course, Bruce Timm's the animated series was just absolutely fantastic. It's still one of the best pieces of animation that's ever been done. Ever, ever been done. And it just growing into that and watching, and, and, and no, even before that, like really like going into theaters and watching Tim Burton's Batman. And then into the an- animated series just helped me kind of grow. And it's like I-, I just loved the character. I loved the 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 detective work, the solving the puzzles, and the but like both being like intelligent and incredibly badassly tough at the same time. And then not having to rely on people might always have these certain arguments. I'm like, well, he's you know in literature they call it the not super but the superman, you know, with a gap in between, sort of mm. that he's this extra. He's an extraordinary man. He's not super power. He doesn't have these amazing abilities like Superman, but he's just like a sort of a level above a normal person. 
but yeah. still a person. And I think that's what was a, a cool dynamic for it. And I, I just always latched onto it, and it just kept growing and growing from there. So your goals with all of your life is basically work hard, make a lot of money, become Batman. Because that's <laughs> all you need. Just need money. Yep, just a lot of money. Did you ever at any point in your life get in your car uh, and while starting your car say atomic batteries, batteries to, to power, power turbines to speed, turbines to Rogers speed. ready to move out? <laughs> yep. Oh, my dad had a uh, had a Pontiac Firebird, <laughs> and we used to do that at going to school uh, at the stop sign. We're like Roger ready to move out, boo, and just like peel <laughs> ass down this suburban street in Delco. And I'm just going like, this is probably not a good, safe thing to do, <laughs> but I don't care because we're making Batman references while doing it. So exactly. that's really the moral of the story, kids. Do anything illegal as long as it's a Batman reference. Uh, favorite movie, Batman. Favorite movie, Batman. Um, I honestly, uh, and uh, who knows if I get razzed for this or not, but I, I think George for me, Clooney. I loved, what's that? George Clooney. Oh, God, no, please <laughs> don't even... Oh, I wanted to turn the volume down on that movie with all those damn neon colors. Christ. <laughs> I mean, like, I can see your nipples from here. <laughs> um, but I, I say I love the Christian Bale. I love Chris, what Christopher Nolan did for the series. I mean, that to me was absolutely fantastic. Um, I did enjoy uh, – I, I loved Christian Bale. I thought he, he did a fantastic job. I mean, obviously, Michael Keaton will always hold a place in my heart because that was the first one I ever saw in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I think he really was a – really, really was, a, was a cool job. But seeing Batman the way I'd want to see Batman, those movies did it for me. Those movies absolutely hands down, hands down did it for me. Uh, so I have to go. I have to go with that. I have to go with the with the Nolan verse Batman and do it that way because it, it really showed the grit and it really showed bringing that almost sense of realism. Now people might hate it because it might have corrupted the rest of the DC universe as they tried to carbon copy that a little <laughs> bit too much. Um, but it's what that's that's to me when I really got a hold of those movies. I came out of the theater going, "Holy shit, that was amazing!" Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't hate that. I, do, I don't. I didn't hate Christian Bale's Batman at all. So I don't fault you for that one bit. Why not everyone has the, 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 the like, what do you want from me? Like, is there, everyone has the, uh, where is she? Where is she? That's the growly voice. And <laughs> I it's like, like it. I didn't mind. I was like, you got to do, fine. that's always the most, please. Ben Affleck's got auto tune for Christ's sake on his, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm waiting for him to go. Yeah. 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 You know, but well, it's so funny too. Cause with the, where is she? There's a, there's a moment in Batman V Superman where Superman does that to Luther about his mom. And I was like, Oh, I'm like Henry Cavill channeling his inner Christian bail for that. moment. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing is like, it's like, it's never easy. I think the only person to ever nail with such a great difference of voice has been Kevin Conroy. With, with 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 doing that Bruce Wayne Batman voice change like his 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 Bruce is so much more up and light and then like the Batman just comes down but it's still so it's still it's so drastically different, different and he's he's the first one to do it he was the first one to have a different voice for yeah. Bruce Wayne and Batman and everybody's been looking at him and nobody's gotten it right since no no one's got so. it right I mean all Michael Keaton did was kind of whisper that's that's all. He, he pulled us. I like to call it the Christopher Walken. Whenever he gets serious, he just he just kind of goes down to a whisper. <laughs> That's what he does. And I have I have such a funny feeling too that after we see Killing Joke and I get to hear Kevin Conroy do it, voice in Batman again, I'm gonna want to go back and rewatch the animated series. I guarantee it. I, I, oh, it's I been free on Amazon Prime. I've gone back at least four times. I've watched the first. Yeah, I know it's on Amazon because I've watched the first couple episodes of it since I've gotten Amazon Prime. I, just, I, I am disappointed that uh, Justice League hasn't been free yet. I'm like it's on I'm Netflix. Like, I know I don't have Netflix. I'm not like the cool kids. <laughs> so shall we? Because uh, I know we've gone really long this episode. Let's let's get our cleanup done real quick and uh, 
get going because I'm uh, putting down two monsters since I've been up and I really need to use the bathroom. Yeah, no problem. So uh, we still, yeah, a couple of pieces of news left to go over. Uh, so, Rob, I will let you begin. Okay, so really, really quickly, uh, we did see a little bit more from NetherRealm Studios, Ed Boon's team that make uh, Mortal Kombat. And they made the first Injustice. Injustice 2 had a little bit of a presence in San Diego Comic-Con. So we did see two new characters. Uh, we did see Wonder Woman coming back, which is fairly obvious. And uh, But we did see the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle, which is uh, joining the fray. And uh, they pretty much came out and stated, for the most point, it sounds like the next unveil will be Jason Todd Red Hood. And uh, a couple of Suicide Squad members. And we're not quite sure who those will be yet, but it sounds like Jason Todd is all but confirmed at this point. Um, aside from that, as far as news, we did have a little bit of animated films. Um, I know we have another Bruce Tim animated movie that's slated for next summer, which is Batman and Harley Quinn. Um, we don't know much about it, but we do know also that Teen Titans Judas Contract is finally getting made after multiple starts and restops uh, over and over and over. And we saw a little tease of that in uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans um, a couple months back. And uh, last but not least, we know Justice League Dark featuring Swamp Thing and Constantine is, I believe, the next in the slate after this, followed up by, I believe, Batman and Harley will be the one after that, then followed up by Teen Titans. No, it's the other way around. Uh, Justice League Dark is first, followed by Teen Titans, Judas Contract, and then Batman and Harley. Um, hmm, okay. I'm not sure. I know, like, yeah, I do know Justice League Dark is definitely, I may give, give a summer. I think Teen Titans hasn't started production yet, so. Uh, the art- Yeah, the article I'm, I'm looking at has them in that order, so okay. we'll... That makes sense. Uh, aside from that, we do know, uh, apparently, a big rumor right now is the movie for the Batman um, being uh, Affleck and Jeff Jaws' piece is most likely taking place fully in Arkham Asylum, which sounds kind of awesome. And I kind of hope they look awesome. at the actual Batman Arkham, Arkham Asylum game. Uh, that would be really cool to see. Uh, and then uh, we do know a couple other really fast things. Um, we did get a full trailer as well for Justice League Action, the new show starting up on Cartoon Network, I believe, in the fall. Um the trailer, I gotta say, is a little eh. It's an 11-minute episode, similar to like Teen Titans Go. The animation style is somewhere between Teen Titans Go and I would say Batman Brave and the Bold. Uh, looks very kitty, uh, I would say. But we did see a lot of characters we've never seen animated before. And, uh, you know, James Woods is coming back to play Lex Luthor again. Um, we do also have Kevin Conroy as Batman and Mark Hamill as Joker. And then last but not least, Telltale Games released a trailer for uh, their upcoming Batman game. Uh, specifically for Episode 1, which launches on August 2nd. So that pretty much wraps us up on news. And that's, uh, yeah, I don't think there was anything else this week. The Telltale game looks awesome, by the way. Uh, but going back real quick to Injustice 2, uh, I didn't pick up the first one, but I did play the first one Oh, actually over at your house, Rob. And um, I will say that after seeing the trailer for this one, uh, I- I'm going to be picking up Injustice 2. Um, it's one I'm... I'm going to be playing for sure i'm interested in the storyline because I, I i played a little bit of the injustice game just like a couple of the, a couple of bits and then i cheated and went to youtube to see the storyline <laughs> see and, i haven't done that i don't even know what the storyline is for the first oh time. my god it's it's actually really cool it's long it's like a two-hour movie basically like it's really? literally like an animated movie you're watching uh through it someone cut through all the scenes and it, it's pretty it's a pretty massively interesting storyline i think that's kind of where uh, one thing we didn't touch on, which is uh, I, I'm still my little twin, my little twin children. I want to see it in action is the flash suit that for the upcoming Justice League is I feel like that's where they got all their character, some of the character designs with all the, like the metallicness of it. Yeah, because that's very what he looks like in in Injustice. Um, 
but that was the the storyline is really really cool and really really great kind of alternate timeline and seeing like the vi- the villains fighting with with Batman like Batman basically forming his own Suicide Squad if you will to take on Superman and and getting the breakdown of everything from start to finish and how they try to fix it in the end um, which I would say they do you know it's a story it's gonna have a, a positive resolution. Yeah, but I'm interested to see because really that that first trailer for Injustice Two was just like we're gonna beat the crap out of each other <laughs> for an entire minute trailer. Yeah, I, I I I'm gonna have to do that now. I could probably pick up the first Injustice pretty cheap now. Well, I can tell you like... right now if you go on PlayStation Network, I believe it's on a flash sale for this weekend, and I believe you can get it for like six bucks. Really? Oh, it's getting done. That's getting so done. go into the digital store. I, I know it's not any more than. 15 uh and that does come with all the dlc packs really okay yeah so, looks like i know what um, i'm doing and it's a fun game it generally is a really fun game yeah I'm, yeah, I'm not for, sure I'm about that whole armor thing that they're doing in that game that seems a little weird uh i don't know i'm looking forward to injustice too so it's uh i am too i mean I, the, the mechanics of the first one were super great and netherrealm makes a great fighting game yeah uh, they really proved that the last mk and injustice so yeah we'll see <laughs> Uh, cool. So before we get out of here, obviously we're going to do our cheap plugs just so everybody knows where else they can find us. Um, before that, we should do some recommendations. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I'm, my, I'm brain fried. Um, uh, do you want to start or you want me to start? Or you want, do we want to throw it to Rich and see if Rich has anything? Rich, what is your recommendation for a comic oriented thing? A comic oriented thing. Oh, that somebody should read or watch. Oh, Read or watch. Well, um, I don't know. So I've been so I've I'm sadly been out of it for quite a little bit. Just kind of picking up tidbits here, there of knowing where the stories are going, like with stuff with Rebirth. Um, I know just for sales wise, apparently the like this Rebirth of Arrow has sold has just exploded. I think the first issue won like eighty thousand copies right off the bat, which was almost double what it was in the new 52 startup. So it seems like that's something even I'm interested to pick up, especially because they're making him sort of a, everyone always calls because of the series. Like he's like, Oh, they're just making him Batman. But the way the rebirth storyline has gone is kind of making him sort of like the anti Batman. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and that just is intriguing to me. So I said, if you haven't gone up and caught up to it, I think I'm, that's, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to kind of checking out. Yeah, one of the things that did, that did really fun is they're making him like this super, super liberal vigilante. And he's just like, well, I'm rich, though, so I can take care of all these problems with money. And Black Canary kind of gives him crap. And I'm like, no, you actually have to do something. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh. So they kind of are making him kind of a bit of an ass. Mm-hmm. And Black yeah. Canary is there constantly kind of keeping him in check. And there's a lot of banter between the two of them. And it's really fun. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, well worth the read. I think they're on their third printing already. Yeah. And I heard he finally becomes a real boy. He does become a real boy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's one of the rebirths I haven't started yet. I'm almost completely caught up on rebirths. Uh, I still have yet to read and start uh, Green Arrow, Wonder Woman, and, and Flash. So after that, though, like I've I've read everything else. I've read Aquaman and Green Lanterns and Hal Jordan and. Uh, so you're saving the like, best three for last. I really am, but I will tell you right now, I will be caught up with all of them before the next issues come out this Wednesday. So I'll be. Yeah, I will tell you this now. You will love. All three of them, because they are the three best books in the current lineup. I think that I think that's kind of the reason why I've been saving them is because I'm I'm waiting because I know I'm going to enjoy them. So so we have another recommendation now for Green Arrow. So that's now not just coming from me, also coming from Rich. So pick it up. It's awesome. If you don't pick it up, they stop making them. So let's not have them reboot his character yet again. 
<laughs> uh, Rob, how about you and your recommendation this week? Uh, because of the, we brought up Dr. Alchemy, I decided I'm going to actually give you six books. Um, but they're just basically three small stories uh, that you can you know, most more than likely will have to do via comicsology, unless you really feel like spending a lot of money. And most people usually don't when it comes to comic books. So uh, this is kind of the introduction to Dr. Alchemy, uh, which also has been known as Mr. Element, uh, various different ways. So his original appearances were back in Showcase Comics number 13, 14. Uh, number 14 is when he actually fully becomes Dr. Alchemy. Um, and his powers always came from him having the Philosopher's Stone. So he's been able to change things at will. Kind of like, oh, that's a very wonderful, nice beating heart in your chest. Oops, it's Colnail. Kind of like really twisted character. Like very, very uh, twisted. Um, so um, it's kind of an introduction to Albert slash Alvin Desmond, however you want to refer to him. He's got a kind of an interesting story. But two of the other fun ones you can check out, though, too, which you see the character evolve past um, the original uh, Crisis and Infinite Earths is Flash Volume 2, uh, issues number 40 and 41, which is where you see um, Dr. Alchemy 2, which is actually you find out at the end of that kind of a little twist. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, and then um, issues 192 and 193 still a Volume 2 of the Flash. So if you want a little primer getting ready for season three to gear up on who the big bad is, I think this is a very good way to do it. Okay. Uh, yeah, my recommendation this week is also flash related, uh, but not going into Dr. Alchemy, but more so we talked a lot about Jeff Johns and his, uh, being the head of creative now for the films. The, uh, my recommendation is actually the flash wonderland. It was a six issue run in volume two of the flash in which, uh, it's Wally West as the Flash, and he finds himself in a mirror version of Keystone City up against Captain Cold and the Mirror Master, as Rich had mentioned earlier on in the podcast. Uh, and it was actually the first ever run of comics that Jeff John it's the first ever story arc that Jeff Johns ever worked on in comic books. So it's going way, way, way back to the origin of Jeff Johns and when he first got started. So it's a, it's a good read. So, yeah. and, and that's uh, Flash Volume 2, as I mentioned. It's issues 164 through 169, which you can also find on Comicsology. Yeah, so we're, we're just giving you a lot of old school Flash. So, uh, so yeah. Actually, and I'm new, sure you can even find that. school Arrow. Which, uh, which numbers did you say that was? 164 through 169. Okay. So, yeah. So, my big story, other big story is just a, not too far after that, about a year after. So, I don't know yeah. if Johns was still writing at the time. So. So, uh, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for this issue of DC Primetime. Now we can go into our cheap plugs. See, uh, see. And uh, so people can know where else they can find us. And Rich, we'll start with you. Where where can people find like any uh, shows coming well, up? Well, you can or? find me talking about uh, stupid stuff and craft beer on Twitter uh, at <laughs> richly named. Uh, pretty easy. Uh, yeah. uh, no, no L-Y-L-E-E. -E. So richly named. Enjoy my, my stupid one-liners and uh, also discussing about the really high alcohol delicious craft beer that I, I, I love to enjoy. <laughs> uh, you can also look up if you search either on YouTube or on Twitter. Uh, the Flat Earth is the Philly sketch troupe I'm a part of. We were just one best of uh, uh, best of the fest. We were best newcomer Montreal sketch fest. We've been uh, in Chicago for two years running and Toronto sketch fest as well. So getting much love uh, across North America for some uh, funny sketch comedy. So uh, now trying to get more in production. We've got some of our live videos up there, but now working on some uh, real nice fancy videos for uh, all you folks out there to enjoy on YouTube coming soon. Yay! Awesome. <laughs> uh, Rob, 
Uh, as always, you can check me out at Caffeine Crew, which I know there hasn't been a lot going on because that's because pretty, pretty soon Caffeine Crew will probably be redirecting elsewhere, um, probably before the end of the year. So I have to do a little work. So that will probably you? be redirecting to say, Next where, Level Radio. Where are you going, Rob? NextLevelRadioOnline.com, <laughs> perhaps. Hmm? Because I think Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods is going to be joining the network, as I mentioned before. So uh, as uh, I, I fix my other main laptop where all my stuff is at, which has died, <laughs> I will be pulling that information off and getting it to bend. So, um, so yeah, we'll be continuing to do the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, uh, which happens monthly, that Ben is usually on now. And, uh, and obviously continuing to do this with you guys. And uh, I'm really excited for tomorrow night for Gilly Joke. Oh, so. I can't wait. Well, tonight, by the time you're listening to this. Yes, and don't forget, if you're hearing this on Monday... They did add a day for Tuesday. Yes. So if you didn't get a chance, I know you will be able to buy it on VOD on Tuesday. But still, this is uh, this is the time to uh, go see it in the big screen. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did get some. Oh, I thought you were going to say something, Rich. August 2nd on Blu-ray and DVD. Mm-hmm. Yes. August 27th, I believe. 26th. 26th on VOD. And we did get some news about Killing Joke out of uh, San Diego Comic-Con that we intentionally avoided talking about. Yes, we know um, exactly what happens in that movie because, because we read the books, and we also know what happens before the book part starts. Yes, but we wanted to wait. We're going to save that for next week after we see it so that we can form our own opinions about what we think uh, is, is part of the film. Oh, yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, Caffeine Crew on Facebook, Twitter, and you can always email us as well as the uh, at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. Cool. Uh, yeah, and as Rob mentioned, this podcast as well as other podcasts can be found on the Next Level Podcast Network, uh, nextlevelradioonline.com, on Twitter at NXT Level Radio, and of course, Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash Next Level Radio Online. Uh, my other podcast on the network, which is the Showcast, which is our interview podcast, which is our celebrity interview podcast, uh, including such people from DC shows like Katie Cassidy, Paul Blackthorne, Michael Rowe, Stephen Amell, uh, and a number of others we've talked to as well. Uh, but yeah, that's just about it, I think, for this week. Anybody have anything, lastly, they, they want to add before we get out of here? Just so you know, Rob's been rubbing my leg the whole time. <laughs> Have you noticed that you haven't been able to see um, either of our hands for yeah, the entirety of the episode? That's Except true. I'm like reach over and I'm like, oh, it's a beverage. Or is it? Yeah. <laughs> Just tissues and napkins. I have a stack like yeah. a foot tall over here. All righty. <laughs> Flushable wipes for everyone. <laughs> hey, I have a cold. I have a, I have a minor cold and that's it. Sure. He's holding the tissue box. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, So as we mentioned, next week, we're going to talk all about Killing Joke. Uh, We'll review that and uh, go over our take on that. So, uh, of course, we thank you once again for listening. We're back to our usual theme music for the podcast as well. So we want to thank... um, George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. Yep, for providing the music for the podcast as well. Uh, We thank you for listening again if you have anything you'd like to share with us recommendations or just simply opinions you can email rob and myself at dc primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com but that's it uh enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you guys around the bend take care peace later